11 o'clock comics episode 213 finally nice. all, all that work for nothing there we That's go. That's like nice. Very good. You <laughs> like yeah. everything. I do like everything. I'm, ter- I'm a terrible judge of character and things. You're a great oh. judge of character, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks. That's nice. You love us all, so that must mean something. You made Ben Teed cry. That's oh, true. I do. I, I do. Yeah, well, yeah. I make him cry because he's crying because he's happy, and I make him cry because, well... It's like Ben Teed carries all of the sins of the comic book community. For some reason, I'm picturing back. Ben doing a Stuart Smalley looking in a mirror somewhere right now being, I'm, <laughs> I'm smart enough to damn it, people like what I talk about comics. My girlfriend is not 16. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> She's fitting. Well, how old is Ben? I mean, Ben's young and right? Yeah, he's like 23. <laughs> For real? He's that young? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's, it's not really underage if he's no, if you're in, underage. if he's in proximity, right? Yeah, how did you guys become friends? Uh, well, we grew that up in the same exact van. That's also true. I drive a windowless van that has a wolf <laughs> painted on the side, and he was outside playing at a park and uh, and a sword. Candy. <laughs> and well, I told him, I said, "Hey, look, man, uh, your parents have been in an accident. They told me to come get you." <laughs> And he got in, and I said, put on this bathing suit while I take photographs. It's for a magazine. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. Uh-huh. So I just kind of hit it off from there. Uh, <laughs> no, we... <laughs> oh, man. No, we grew up in the same town. And... Um, Jack and Diane. Yeah, just like that. And, Jack um, and Diane. He's, he's, he's actually... Two kids reading comics fast <laughs> as they can. Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah, I said life goes on. <laughs> Long after the thrill, <laughs> can we not? DC is gone. New Fifty Two. Let it roll. Marvel AVX gonna steal my soul. That's the best up episode. Oh my god, that's a beautiful thing. Is it? I'm gonna cry. I got tears. I'm off a clip. Continue, Mr. Crusade. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I can't, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't keep up with that. I can't do it alone. Uh, no, anyway, um, so he, he's my brother's age. So he, uh, he knew my brother. And um, then after I, when I was in college, I, I did some substitute teaching and stuff while I was in school. And I subbed there um, while I was at home. So, and then one day I was subbing for like a history class and, and he you was know, like, they, dude, can you buy me beer? No, it was pot. But uh, so <laughs> he he uh, he saw that I had like a stack of comics that I was reading like during like the prep period or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he comes up to me with this drawing of Rorschach that he had done. And he goes, hey, <laughs> hey, oh, I, I like comics. And he gives me this drawing of Rorschach. <laughs> <laughs> I like comics. And we became we became friends, you know. Oh, BFFs. Did yeah. he give you that? Uh, did he give you that 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 fold that piece of paper where you put your fingers in and you have to do like one, two, three, four, and then it's like you know if you like Superman, you unfold this oh, triangle. Nice. I forgot about those. You know, so that that is a sweet story, though. That's good. That that would that would have been awesome if he did. Like that kind of that kind of fits 
kind of fits like it's very like sweet, like unassuming mo. Like seriously, I, 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 made I think we have various too. definitions of the word awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this much is true. Yes. Uh, no, I did. I actually don't think it's that awesome. I think it's kind of mundane. But but anyway. But you got to make it good for the folks at home, right? Yes, and, and, and he's a good friend, and I think the world of him. So and he, he is a great guy. And say hello to the folks at home because look around. It's eleven o'clock comics. I am Vince B. Hiya. You are. Hi, Vince. I am David Price. Yeah, yeah. And bringing back to twenty-one to Jump Street. I'm Richard Greco. Oh, <laughs> you're Thor. Oh no, Loki. I think he's Loki in the movie. He's Loki. Yeah. Sweet. The, you're not Richard Greco. You're Jason Wood, everybody, and we have a guest in the house. Very special guest, one of our favorite peoples on the planet. He just got through with a convention that he threw all by himself, right? Give or take. Pretty close, yeah. And, yeah, and he's going to tell you about it. Um, he's from Indiana. He resembles Archie Andrews a little bit. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and his name is, and he writes comics too. Don't forget about that. And his name is Zach Crusey. He'll Hi, tell Zach. you all about them. Hi. Hi. Don't forget podcaster. And he's oh, yes, yeah. I forget about it because I, I don't listen. And uh, and he does the <laughs> podcast thing. And you, At least he's honest. Oh, a true a true friend never lies. Like no, that. So thank, thank you for telling me that you don't. But see, I don't listen to anyone. He does. So there you go. You're not no, special. And uh, do you know who does do podcasts? Well, at least they, they support a lot of them. It's Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get one but discounts on your favorite funny books and collectibles. Get this. Here's just a small sample of what's available this month. This month you can get from Dark Horse, the Concrete Three Uneasy Pieces One-Shot by Mr. Paul Chadwick. Cover price is two ninety nine, but that's not what you're going to pay. You're going to get it for $1.49. Do the math. And the second bundle of books in the Before Watchmen series. You get Ozymandias number one, Minuteman number two, Silk Spectre number two, and The Comedian number two. Cover price for all this goodness is $15.96. Bought it, bought it. But you know, yeah, me too. You know what it's going to say on your bill? Seven ninety eight. That's half free. off. Free. It's free. And boom. Adventure Time spinoff, Marceline and the Scream Queens. I got it right this time. Number one, hmm. $1.99. Half off cover. You know, I, I usually balk at the three ninety nine books, especially for licensed stuff. Mm -hmm. But for Adventure Time, it is well worth it. I'm sure Show. this will, will be too. And from Oni, a little book you may or may not have heard of, Scott Pilgrim, Precious Little Life, first volume of the six-volume series, hardcover, color, twelve forty nine. That's half off. Go get it. Discount comic book service, DCBService.com. And if you are a first time DCBS customer, you can get an additional eight percent off your order by entering the following code in the well trim slot. David. EOC and the number eight. That's EOC eight gets you an extra eight percent off, bringing your total to about a million and three percent off your order. That's yes. really high. They'll owe you money by the time you're done. Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. Go. Boom. 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 That's Boom it. Shalaka. That's all Blam we got. That's the only sponsor we got this time. Dude, I got to say something. Hmm. So, Do it. Uh, dude, I, people kept asking me, hey, Wood, did you get your copy of Low Concept, which would be the EOC uh, anthology, uh, part two? That's what it and is. And I kept saying, I uh, haven't gotten it yet, haven't gotten it yet. Well, I did get it last week. And then I kept hearing, did you look at the back page? 
And I kept saying, nah, I'm, I, I haven't finished the book yet. So then I thought, you know what? Before we record tonight, since I'm not quite done, let me go to the back page and see why the hell people keep asking me. I am baffled. I you am left there, right? baffled. It was awesome. So for those that don't have the book, first of all, shame on you. Yes. Uh, second of all, um, the back page is a picture of my ugly mug, and it says, this book is dedicated to the memory of Jason Wood, a.k.a., and then it lists uh, just about, if not complete, near complete list of all the fake names I've used in all the intros of our episodes over the years. So uh, it's pretty amazing stuff, actually. Yes. It's funny to look back and think of some of them that I said because I don't remember ever saying them. Back away slowly. <laughs> That's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Seriously, yeah. Well, no, they, yeah. That takes dedication. And, it, and apparently it was uh, Cam Smalley was the one who compiled it. So much love to Cam for helping out whoever made the back page. Huge buckets of love. That's right. But, uh, and it's funny because I assume they even went as far as to if I said, if I used, reused a name, they put it in twice. And I actually did reuse a few. Yeah, you really? did. Yeah. The, the most baffling one that I ever used is Basil Rathbone, which is stunning to me. <laughs> uh, I, I, you, you were uh, Jeff Bezos at least twice. I was Jeff Bezos twice. I was Dr. Erskine twice. So, uh, well, yeah. how can that be? It boggles the mind how that can be. I know. Let's do the drink roll call. Should we have Mr. Crusade lead us through? He's like our guest. Isn't he, you know? isn't he straight edge? No. no. Oh, ah, yeah. Ah, Ju- ah, judging ah, by that ah, photo ah, I saw. <laughs> You're a real laugh riot. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, I am. I was going to drink some delicious Hendrix gin, but Mario beat me to the punch on that. Because that's the best gin on the planet every, anywhere. Um, I guess anywhere is on the planet. But um, I have uh, the... From... What is this? From Sierra Nevada. I have their Hoptimum, which is uh, a limited... I love that name. Thing. It is really, really good. I normally hate Sierra Nevada, to be honest with you. I usually don't like it, but they put out this Hoptimum, and then uh, they put out their uh, Rye IPA, which is also really good. But this Hoptimum mm-hmm. is Jim friggin' dandy, so it is really good. Sweet. <laughs> and it's pretty high alcohol content, so I'll be, cool. I'll be, doing, I'll be doing all right about halfway through the show. Excellent. Yeah. Push it. Next. Oh, oh, of course. Uh, well, I'll go. I'll go. In honor of uh, it being hot as a mauve hug around Word. here. And my wife refusing to put the air conditioning on. Uh, <laughs> Mine asked if we should. See? That's why your wife is the bomb. Uh, and, uh, and, and it inspired partly, I guess, maybe subconsciously by uh, our guest uh, from last week. I am drinking a gin and tonic with a lot of ice. And uh, although... I'm curious to try Hendrix because I've never had it. Uh, I don't have it, so I'm using uh, Bombay Sapphire uh, gin. Also good gin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's tasty. Nice big old wedge of lime, like a half, of, almost a, pretty much a half of a lime sitting in this thing right now. It's good. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. How about you, Vincenzo? I'm drinking Yingling Lager, and i got to pour a little bit out for my dog's balls. Oh, he got the clip today. Yeah, yeah, he got. It's ironic that they call it fixed, right? Because it's obviously not fixed. But um, yes, he wrong. They should call it the wrong. Did you get your dog wronged? He parted. He parted with his testicles today. Has he got the uh, cone? He's got the cone. Yeah, it looks like space dog. Not a good look. He's not feeling too good right now. So it's not a good look. Yeah, poor little guy. Ah, I'm gonna pour some out from 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 a homie that barks too. There we go. David, what are you sipping on? I am uh, sipping on some uh, Menage a Trois. You love the Menagems. There I you did, go. I, well, th- that, was, that was really the only thing that I was familiar with 
at the wine and spirits shop I stopped in over the weekend. So I'm like, let me at least go with something <laughs> really? I know. Yeah, there, like I, an I, entire an entire liquor store, and you only recognize one type of wine. Well, just that that I prefer to go back to. There, there were some oh. that I was just like, you know what? I'm not. I'm, I'm tired of that. Or I mean, Menage, I never really get tired of. I did. I did pick up a bottle of Talus, which I finished last night, and mm-hmm. that was pretty good. That wasn't bad. You know, speaking of wine, uh, I have to ask you if this ever happens to you guys. Well, I probably already know the answer to Vince because I have a feeling he never actually goes to restaurants because he hates to pay for food. There you go. Um, but uh, for Mother's Day, you know, I took uh, my lovely wife and uh, my kids and my mother-in-law and father-in-law out to a nice dinner at a place we like to go to. And, you know, there, as is, I guess, the custom these days and some, I guess, technically the, uh, you know, the, I'm past that age, I guess, that since it was sort of understood, I was paying, you know, my, my, my father-in-law defers to me to order the wine, you know, back in the day, like he would order. But, you know, I guess I'm old enough now where he deems me cr- a credible person to order wine. So I'm looking through the wine list. And, of course, like, the, the thing I always wrestle with at restaurants is most of the time if I recognize a bottle, like, and I'm like, oh, we'll like that. I can't bring myself to buy it because the price is ridiculous beyond what I know it should cost. You know what I mean? So I always find myself ordering something that's probably equally overpriced, but because I don't know it, I don't have the mental hurdle to get over. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get you, I yeah. I like, there was a bottle that like my wife really loves Malbec. So there were only two Malbecs on the menu. And one of them we would drink all the time. But it costs us like 18 bucks at the liquor store. So at the restaurant, it's tar- they tr- want to charge us like seventy bucks. So then get I'm like, get the well, hell out of here! Yeah, so I'm like, wow, I'm like, well that's crazy. Like obviously I'm not, I'm not gonna, I can't bring myself to spend seventy dollars on a bottle of wine. I know we have for at home for eighteen bucks. So I ordered the other Malbec, which was like three dollars cheaper. But I'm guessing that if I went to the liquor store today to find it, it'd probably be like fifteen bucks. So yeah. like, I, I, it's no smarter economically, but it just doesn't feel like I'm flagellating. You know, like I'm beating myself. You know yeah. what I mean? See, that's the thing. You you nailed it. That's exactly the reason why I don't like to go out to eat because, especially drink when I go out to eat, because if I'm going to pay three bucks for a bottle of beer that I can get down the street for a buck, no, seriously, three six dollars for me, it, it doesn't make sense. It's like throwing money away just because you're in a different setting and someone's bringing it to you. You're going to pay double, triple, more. Get out. It's it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's, I, it's I, insane. I wrestle with that all the time, but I just end up saying just the hell with it and just Me buy too. it anyway. Yeah. It's buy funny. It. I'll, I'll, I'll totally buy beer for whatever cost per pint just because it seems like a social thing, but the wine, it always strikes me like it. And it's, you know, the wine list could have 300 bottles on it, and maybe I recognize 20 of them at most. So those would be the 20 I won't order because I'm like, oh, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the yeah. only time I protest is like at hotel bars. So like, I, I look like a jackass, but like, like a C2E2 or whatever, like, I'm not paying. Nine dollars and fifty cents for rock gut for a rock gut gin and tonic. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I, I'll buy one and for the glass, and then I just bring my own gin. Well, it's really crazy too. I know you're a sports <laughs> fan, Zach. It's it's really crazy. Like you know, when I go to Eagles games because I have season tickets, it's it's. I mean, I think beers now are eight seventy five for you know a cup. Wow. Yeah, and it's God. But it's yeah. shit too. It's like Miller Lite. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Coors Light or Bud Light, and they actually have. I mean, I guess because it's a quote unquote one of the new stadiums, they have tons of other better beers, but they're like eleven bucks. Oh my so god! So it's like you can get like Jesus. an eight seventy five Bud Light, or you yeah, can get like an eleven buck, you know, like Anchor Steam or something. I can yeah. get six Hurricanes for that. Yeah, that's that's forty <laughs> ounces a piece. Are you, you kidding get, me? I, you, can I, get six, you can get six Anchor Steams for that. Yeah. <laughs> I um. I mean, if, if we're going out to eat, I'm usually driving, so I I don't get anything to drink other than than coke but it's uh renee will get occasionally she'll 
she might try a Chardonnay. Otherwise, she'll probably just just uh, take it easy with a rum and coke if she is going to drink something. Other, so we don't really get dinged on the drinks because she doesn't she doesn't slap them back or anything like that. So I mean, it's 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 nice going out to dinner with her because it's she's not a cheap date, but at least mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to get gorged by the time the bill comes. But um, I just I but I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I won't. I mean, I that is one of the reasons why we we just kind of stay close to home anyway i mean we don't go to the movies too often and and i mean i was very surprised at the price of a of a 1 p.m ticket showing ticket at at at, at the movies last week so i mean they're just things where i i do know and i oh I, you went to movies yeah he did about damn time yeah boy anyway yeah jason ain't slick but yeah um yeah, he's slick i guess <laughs> man two of you all all, all scheming and 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 conniving behind my back. That was cute. I mean, that was. How awesome. do you know I was scheming? If what do you mean? I, you wouldn't know I was scheming unless your wife told you after the fact. Yes, after the fact. So I was slick. You didn't know nothing. That's what I'm saying. All right then. I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. That's it. But <laughs> it was uh, no. So yeah, I mean, I know, and I. If 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 I did drink when I went out, I'd probably I I I feel your pain as it is, but I I can't. I can't sympathize only because I, I don't go through In other words, that. you guys are a lot more disciplined and smart about your money than I am is what it comes down to. There you go. No, you, I, I, you, you live life, bro. Man. All right, enough of this shizzle. Let's hear about the Summit City Show because we got a guest. Oh, okay. You want me to tell you all about it? I want to know the uh, occurrences that led to that photograph with the Shriner oh, man. statue. And okay. Hillary looks maniacal. He looks like he looks- he's possessed. <laughs> Doesn't he look crazy in that picture? Yeah. But, um, okay. Obviously. So, as no, wait. To... The, the photo was taken by mm-hmm. Mr. Dave Wachter, right? Yeah, Wachter okay. took the picture. The Wachter factor. And uh, so. Lights out of focus. Um, I, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I knew this going into it, but uh, Hillary loves Carol Lombard, the actress <laughs> Carol Lombard. Jesus. And she really she, is old. Is she well? She was born in Fort Wayne, so oh, okay. there's um, like her birth house is there and with like a little plaque on it, and there's like the Carol Lombard Memorial Bridge because her house is like right near like a river or whatever. So, um, so we're hanging out at the pre-show thing, and uh, we're all drinking and carrying on, and some of the guys left, and then Hillary produces this piece of paper from his pocket, and he says, "I got Carol Lombard's address," and <laughs> Hillary and, also does the voice of Kermit in the in the recent <laughs> Muppet movie. Of course. Uh, Everybody sounds like Stanley or Kermit when uh, when when Zach impersonates himself. Or, or Columbo. It's like it's, I got three. Ah, uh, yes, I got, yes. I got, I got Kermit, Columbo, and Stan. Yes. So, uh, so anyway, so Hillary says, "I got, I got Carol Lombard's address," and I, I already knew where the house was or whatever. He's like, "Let's go down there." So it's um, everybody else has sort of vacated the bar at this point, and it's me and Gabriel and Hillary and uh, Dave Lasso and Dave Wachter, and we. Uh, we were all pretty tipsy at that point. So we decide, like, all right, Hillary, yeah, let's go. Let's walk down to Carol Lombard's house. It'll be a big deal for you. So we walk down there, and we're walking down these downtown streets. It's about, I don't know, like three-quarters of a mile from the bar we were at. So we're walking down, and we pass, like, the Shriner building or whatever, where the Shriners get together. And outside, there's a statue with lights on it of a Shriner holding, like, a crippled child. And uh, I, I don't know who said That's it. not I, funny. I said, uh, yeah, I, I don't mean to make fun of that. I'm just saying, like, that's what the statue is. He's, right. It's like a kid with, like, crutches, like, um, 
you know, like tiny, tiny Tim. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, so I think it's Dave Lasso. Dave says, Hey, we should go get our picture taken with that. And we're like, yeah, we're all grown men. Let's get, let's do something like this. So we all mm-hmm. climb up like on top of the statue and then Dave takes a picture and then we stumble our way down after we get, we all get down. I can't believe no, nobody hurt themselves jumping off of that thing. Cause it's like four or five feet off the ground and um we like i said we had all had several beers by that point so um so we get down and we we make our way down to carol lombard's house and Mm -hmm. um it's it's really late at night but it i gotta tell you though just being honest like it was this incredibly like sweet moment with hillary because it clearly was something that meant a lot to him Mm -hmm. and um so he, you know, like we're not being loud. We're actually not being loud or obnoxious, but like we're talking outside, and he's like, "Hey, you guys, be quiet. People are sleeping in here." And like, like you know, being like dad or whatever, and telling us to calm down and, and be respectful. So, so we do, and then Hillary walks up, and like he reads the little plaque, and uh, you know, he reads it out loud to us because we're all standing back. We didn't want to get up by the house, and um, we get off, and then Hillary goes goes and gets his picture taken by the by the sign for the bridge and the stuff. And it, it was actually all really very like. The, the the thing with the Shriner statue was ridiculous, but mm-hmm. by the time we got down to the house, it was actually kind of this this really sweet uh, sort of heartwarming moment with Hillary because it clearly was important to him, oh. and and, um, and that made me happy. So then after that, we went to this shit ass dive bar that's down the way that stays open late, and we go we go out and we're standing there and we get our cheap beer and we go out back in the back to this gravel lot and there's some idiot playing an accordion for, for shots. <laughs> So, wow. so Hillary's buying shots for this guy. Like, yeah, that. play this. You know, paint it black, and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which so, probably sounded great on the accordion. Oh yeah, no, it was it, it was just this beautiful thing. I mean, it was it was like Mozart or something, you know. So, uh, so anyway, so we we hung out there till like probably like four thirty. I didn't get home till like four thirty in the morning, and then woke up at six thirty to get to the show. Nice. So, yeah, that was ill advised, but. Um, but anyway, so no, we had that that Friday night. That was a great night. We had so much fun, and really that, like, not to like be like all like sentimental and like weepy about it, but like that moment with Hillary was just so awesome and fun because it was it's it's great just hanging out with him anyway because he's just a knowledgeable guy with like great stories. Mm-hmm. But that th- that that moment that clearly meant like a lot to him to be able to see that house or whatever was really really touching and cool. And um, yeah, it it pretty much made the show for me. Can't pay for stuff like that. No, you can't at all. And um, and then so then Saturday we had the show and it was um, an incredible day and record turnout and um, nice. Yeah, it was it was it was awesome, man. So um, and it seemed like everybody had a good day, vendors and and uh, creators and awesome. Yep. And then Saturday night everybody went out and I crashed early because I got, I only had two hours to sleep and. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like Gabriel and and uh, and, and Wachter and a couple other guys were out very late again. And I'm nice. sure they had, I'm sure I'm sure they tore it up and had a good time. So jealous of that. Yep, yep, me too. But I I just couldn't do it. I'm sitting. My wife came in with me and we're just sitting there and I'm just I was just dead. I'm looking around I, and uh, so I had to get out of there before because if I had stayed much later, I would not have been able to drive home or even <laughs> make it to a hotel room. So. But it well, was it was a great weekend, man. I think it was either Wachter or Sholey, probably Wachter because it's not creative enough for Sholey. Said <laughs> that the uh, the Summit City convention is one day at the Summit City convention is worth three days at another convention. Oh, that's yeah, nice. yeah, I heard no, that. that's, yeah, that's what that's what he said to me too. Was that Wachter? 
Yeah, that was Dave. Ah, I knew it. He's, yeah, so um, that, that makes me happy because I don't really, I don't do the show for me, you know? Like, it's, it's you know, it's my baby, you know, and I, and I put all this stuff together, but I, if I walk out of there and I don't make a dime, I don't really care mm-hmm. at all. Like, I, I want my vendors and my creators to be happy, and I want the people that live in the area to come out and just have a good time at the show and just sort of experience, like, the comics community, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, this is why, I mean, the comics community is why we're friends. And, like, these are, like, friendships that I will cherish and will have for my entire life, and I kind of want other people to have that, too. Right. And um, so, so, so long as those guys, those, those creators and the attendees and, and the vendors, they're all happy, then that's all I care about. And it seems like everybody was, so that's a huge success and make, just warms my heart to uh, immeasurable degrees, so... So next year it's going to be the whole week. No, no, I'm taking <laughs> taking it slow, taking it slow. But uh, I, I, that, that's another thing too, because well, and you know, but like, I've I've done shows. I've been on the other side of the table, and like, if you get to a show and Sunday is just a nightmare and it's just dead, you know, you don't want to be there, and that's too mm-hmm. expensive. Because I mean, it, these guys, I mean, creators when they do shows, I mean, they have to pay for the table and they have costs involved with travel and uh, and they also have costs involved with the time away from work that they lose. Sure, you know yeah. that that, co- that costs them a lot of money. So if they're not going to have a profitable two Sunday, then that's not fair to me to say, hey, you should be here for two weeks or two days. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, so that's why I don't charge them for tables, and I'm not ready to do two days yet. When when I feel like they're going to make a lot of money doing two days, then we'll move to two days. Nice, budding entrepreneur. I am, yeah. of course, just busting Dave's balls because that's what I do. Of course. Yeah, we gotta of try course. and get out there. We gotta try and do this. You should. Summit City? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You should. I, I know how to get there. Arms. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Firework capital of the world. Through well, it. I'll stay at Zach's house. That's how it'll work. I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Is your is your wife fine with that? That's the question. Oh, she, dude, she would be totally fine with that. Oh, nice. She she really came around this weekend. Like, uh <laughs> she's well, she's like it's not that she's ever been like She's never like hated comics. Like, she's like, <laughs> she's, she, I'm for, right there with you, brother. For like the ten years we've been together, like she just struggles to understand them. And uh, then when I was telling her about Friday night, like she kind of got it a little bit. And then she came out mm-hmm. Saturday and she talked to Hillary and she talked to some of the guys or whatever. And then she finally got it. It's like, oh, now cool. I get why this is important to you. So uh, that's um, cool. Yeah, no, it was that was in, in fact second to the Hillary thing. My wife finally getting it was my. I was favorite. gonna say this is a big weekend for you, buddy. Yeah, it was yeah. huge. Like, like her, her, her finally getting it, it was just a, an, an enormous deal. So, can you have her call my wife? My wife still does not get it yet. <laughs> exactly. What what you do? The way to do it is start a convention, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and then get your buddies to come out, and then introduce you to your buddies, and then it works. So, <laughs> but it, you got to wait. Th- you got to do the convention for at least three years before. Right. It <laughs> Mine nice. may come to the Morrison Con with me. Really? What? Yeah. So we're yeah. not going to share a room? No. What? Dude, you just want to say I don't know. <laughs> anyway. No, she said if I'm stuck for a uh, a roommate, she'll she'll throw in. It's like, well, okay, that's well, awesome. Can you imagine her at a Morrison con? Oh my god, that would be awesome. That would be right that would be bizarre. <laughs> my wife always oh, wanted to go to Vegas. Yeah, Vegas is one thing, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Well, she wouldn't have to hang at the con. Well. I would like to see how how she would react to that kind of atmosphere. You know what I mean? She'd at at least for a couple hours. Be like, I'm going to go get a massage. 
<laughs> I'm going to get my butt waxed. <laughs> All right. Are we going to talk uh, some comics here? I guess. I mean, do we have in, to? In addition, yes. That's why we have gathered. Our show is like um, is like the fables of podcasting in that uh, I always feel like if a person happens to stumble upon it randomly, they're going to listen to the first part of the first episode, and if they stick with it, they're going to love it, but there's a good chance they might not. It might not be much for them, and then they're going to drop it. Kind of yeah. like with fables. If you read the first trade and the first trade only, you're probably not going to think all that much of it, but if you stick around for the second trade, you're going to love it. So we reward those that persevere through the crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go first? Um, well, I'll go Let's, first. All right, why don't you? So uh, I, I mentioned last week uh, in one of the things that I picked up at the Wild Pig sale was um, something that had been a little bit of a, of a, uh, of a quest for me for some time. Um, it, a few years ago, remember when they had that uh, Amazon glitch and they were selling all those uh, big hardcovers and omnibus and absolutes for the, the super cheap, remember? Yes. Um, and, and I put in an order like many people for boatloads of books and then ended up getting some of them, but most most of them were canceled. One of the things I tried to get at that time was the uh, Rising Stars uh, big oversized hardcover compendium um, from uh, from JMS and, and Assorted Artists. And ever since, I've, I've sort of had an eye out for it, you know, because I didn't get it at that time. And, and as I mentioned uh, on last week's episode, I was able to finally acquire the compendium uh, at the Wild Pig Sale. And then... After I mentioned that I acquired the the compendium, uh, Ron Richards, our guest last week, said, "Oh, dude, it's I'm curious to hear what you think because you know he he liked like the first six issues and then didn't like the rest." So I was like, "Okay, well, let me see. You know, I've wanted to read this for a long time." So um, I read the entire thing this week, uh, the entire compendium, which is roughly thirty some issues. It's uh, it's it's the entire main series, um, which is twenty four issues plus a zero issue, and then. Uh, a couple limited series um, that were actually not written by JMS. So I don't know quite the whole story there on that. Um, I suppose he just gave someone else permission to to write follow-up stories. But um, before I get into it, have any of you guys read any Rising Stars? Nope. No. Negative. None of you have read any of it? Wow. Nope. Okay, okay so um, the premise is relatively straightforward. Um, it uh, Well, first of all, it came out, it first came out in 1999. Um, and it was uh, under JMS's own imprint called Joe's Comics, uh, which was part of uh, Top Cow at the time. Right. Um, and the premise is a comet or some kind of celestial body uh, is seen visibly over the Earth streaking over a, uh, a town called Peterson, Illinois. And basically the uh, 113... Uh, babies who were uh, in utero at the time are born with special powers, and they're they're known then as the specials. And um, it, it chronicles parts of their lives, and and some of them have very very modest powers. Um, you know, almost almost to the point of sort of not having really can't do much of anything. I mean, like one guy can basically like levitate like two feet off the ground, but that's pretty much all they can do. Um, and then it goes all the way up to, you know, a couple, couple people have really, really strong powers, like akin to, you know, a Superman or something like that. Um, and it, it sort of chronicles the, their, their, their life. Um, the original six issues, six or seven issues take place, um, sort of at the point of adulthood and someone is starting to kill off the specials one by one. Um, then it jumps 10 years ahead, um, kind of a la lost 
this is before Lost came out, obviously, but sort of that kind of thing. It, it takes you ten years into the future and has another whole thing. And then the next series of issues takes place ten years after that, and you get sort of the final arc. So it's like a 20 to 25-year span of time that this whole thing takes place of. Um, the, the first thing I have to say about it is, uh, and David, this would drive you nuts if you, if you, if you read this book. Um, if you look at it, it says, you know, Rising Stars Compendium. It says at the top J. Michael Straczynski um, on, the, on the side on, the, on the, uh, the side of the jacket it says J. Michael Straczynski you open the book up and there are no artist credits oh not one like, like the only artist credits are on the covers like they have the covers of each issue and it says who did the cover but it doesn't say so there's not even a credits page or like breaks down like per arc nope. or issue? No oh credits pages. My I'm, assuming, God. I'm assuming they existed in the originals too and for some reason they didn't reprint them. So like it's the weirdest thing. So like I'm open up here it says Rising Stars number 14. It's got the cover oh, and it says... Doesn't, don't, um, doesn't Top Cow usually do the credits inside the, ins- uh, the front cover? It could be. They're, 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 not in this, they're not in this collection. So like literally I'm reading it and I'm thinking like well who drew this issue or oh who drew this issue and I had to look on comic book DB. Oh that's... Weird. Yeah, so so it's it's cr- pretty crazy. Um, so the first thing is this was a Top Cow book in 1999. So the art is exactly what you would have expected from a Top Cow book in 1999. Mm. Um, I guess it's it's okay in if you know in the time it was probably very evocative of what most of the other books on the stands look like, but it's not the easiest thing to go back and appreciate. Um, and. You know, I, I guess just as we've sort of waxed poetically about some of the uh, the, the image artists of the time, this wasn't exactly the A team of that crew. These were, <laughs> these were the guys aping the other guys. You know, so like for example, Ken Chua is the first artist that does the book. Um, then Ken Lashley does some paintings. Yes. Oh, Lashley's pretty good. He's Ken Can Lashley I... today is not the Ken Lashley in this book. No. Okay. Christian Zanier does some 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 of the book. Um, now, to be fair, uh, Im- Stuart Immonen, probably what I'm guessing is some of his first work in the business, does some of the issues in, later, and, and they're better. But, but like the first big chunk are, are done by those three sort of image, image clones, I guess you could call them. And uh, and I think it, in reading it back, it really suffers for it because it seems like there's these prototypes, and they still exist at, at Top Cow today. You know, you have the one group of heroes. There's there's two guys named uh, John Simon who goes by the nickname Poet. Um, and then, uh, and then another guy that um, that is is basically he's like the Batman of this crew, and they both have really long black hair, you know, akin to what um, let's say the Darkness looks like. And the problem with that is that they're they're the two heroes of the book, and they're in a lot of scenes together. And I got to tell you that I half the book I had no idea which was which. Like I could I couldn't oh, tell you I know, know exactly uh, what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like if if they're in costume, no problem because they have very different mm-hmm. costumes. But if they're just standing there talking, and a lot of times they were just in layman's clothes, mm-hmm. no idea. I I just I, I had to sort of try and glean from the dialogue who was who. Um, and then similarly, and and it's so bizarre because the the I guess the 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 villains or the antiheroes of the book. The three of those guys basically are the like Superman analogs, and they all look the same. They all have like oversized muscular bodies with short, light colored hair. One maybe has light brown hair, but the other two are blonde. But like it's the same haircut, so it's really bizarre. Like it's really hard to follow. And um, even if they had like switched one out, like even if 
if the Batman guy had looked like a blonde and then they made the one of the, the, the anti-heroes a long-haired brunette, it would have been easier because then they would have been in so many scenes together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was very, very hard to follow in that regard. And the same thing with the women. Like one of the main villain villainesses is a woman with multiple personality disorder. And theoretically, kind of like um, like with Legion, when she changes personalities, her physical form changes. But for her main form, she looks just like one of the heroines of the book. So it's just very, very hard to to to, to follow artistically, at least in the the initial issues. Um, and I do you know, think now that you mention that mm-hmm. um, Cyberforce, Silvestri stuff. Yeah, I had a little bit of problem figuring out who was who back then too with Silvestri. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's exactly. The other thing too, and I could again, I kept reading parts of this book, thinking, "God, David would hate this." Like, like there's um, like three or four issues in, they have uh, a a piece that's written as though it's a handwritten note, and you know that that in and of itself, there's no problem with that. But it's 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 probably like six seven pages, and it explains Ooh. a lot of of plot. Like it forwards the plot a lot. And I'm thinking, like, dude, like, show it. Don't tell it. You know, I mean, this is comics. This is not the medium for this. This is not written prose. And then in the lead-in to the, the – where they go 10 years later, it's done as though you're seeing it from, like, news reports, which, again, I don't have a problem with that. But the execution is wonky in that it's, it's pages and pages of typewritten news and newspaper stories, like, telling you what happened. And it's just <sighs> – it's just uh, – it's a struggle. You know, it really is a struggle. Um, at the high level, like I could see JMS's idea was kind of cool, um, which is, again, these, these characters get powers. They get them early on. It's not like a mutant thing. I mean, they, they manifest the powers. Um, they vary. And then you have this Highlander thing, which is that someone is killing members of the specials. And what you come to find out, and spoilers if people really feel like they're going to get spoiled about a book that came out 15 years ago that no one read, <laughs> reads. But, but – um, the, they're kill- the people are being killed because when a special is killed, all the remaining specials gain the, their power incrementally. So it's like Highlander, you know. It's like it if makes people no see sense. Them, yeah, yeah. If 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 you kill one, was there a character like that on Heroes? Um, I, I never watched Heroes. I'm just trying to. I, I forget. I, you know, I, I I watched Heroes in the beginning, and then okay. No, you know what it was? There was a guy, Siler, the villain, and he right. He, he could kill someone and then get their powers too. Okay. Well, that, doesn't that add like a supernatural component to the comet? Because well, yes. comet is, is a physical, you know, measurable thing. Right. So, so right. So, what happens is basically, it, like, a couple of the guys realize, okay, this something's amiss here, and and uh, and they figure out who's doing the killing, and it ends up being basically taking sides, right? Like a group of the powerful guys say, "Listen, here's the deal. Here's what's going on. Let's uh, everyone else has figured it out. So, um, let's team up." And we'll tell we'll, we'll, we'll team up with the U.S. government and explain to the government that uh, the rest of the specials are getting ready to overthrow the government, even though they're in fact the innocent ones, and it's these guys that, that team up with the government that are the bad ones. And um, so, like the premise is kind of cool, but the it's just I think it fails in its execution. And then, like ten years later, the uh, Chicago has been overtaken by this multiple personality chick and a bunch of the other quote unquote evil specials that are left. And um, by this time, a lot of the specials have been killed, so. All the remaining ones are really powerful. Even the ones that used to be not powerful at all have like massive power now. So it's much harder to kill them. And then the good ones and the bad ones kind of go to war for Chicago. And then, uh, and then like you, in the next leap forward, one of the two heroes is now the president of the United States. So of course, there's this back backward. You know, there's this 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 back dealing uh, 
chunk of the government that's now scared about that and so they want to take him out and it's just like and then it wraps up with this almost like quasi spiritual ending which Ooh. essentially has um I'm just going to spoil it because it, 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 this is not a book I'm going to tell you about. Right I don't think you're going to gain any converts with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, by the by the end of the last arc, like all the specials are killed except for the 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 uh, the, the guy named John Simon, who's been the narrator throughout the book, known as Poet. Everybody's killed at the end, but him. He's the last remaining special, and for some reason, instead of him having all the power at that point, all the power is then spewed all over the world. And every human being gets the power, and all disease is cured, and all death is ended. And for 24 hours, nobody dies, nobody's sick. And then for some reason, after 24 hours, all that goes away. All the power leaves every human again and goes back into John Simon, and it becomes like this godlike being who then ascends into the sky and blows up and becomes a comet, which then veers off to another sentient planet and, of course, is the comet that lands on this planet and then starts the whole cycle over again. Makes no damn sense. It makes no damn sense because, again, it's like, why did... Why did it go to the humans when there was one left? And then if and then why did it only last for twenty four hours and then go back to the one guy left, right? It's like why didn't it like why didn't he have to die? You know what I mean? Like none of it made any damn sense. What, what, like... I, what I'm getting from this is that <laughs> even back in ninety nine He couldn't close. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's like, wow, you start off so great yeah. and then it just kinda And the thing off, too dude. about it is and, and you wouldn't know this necessarily from reading it, but I just know it from it, you know, it being a story. This book, like with many image Top Cow books, was horribly delayed. Um, Straczynski had issues with the art. He had issues with the ownership. I guess Top Cow had sold the rights to make this into a movie at one point, and he didn't. He didn't have any piece of that, so he sued them. Wow. Ended up giving yeah. him the rights back, then handing him rights to some of the other stuff he did for them, and handing him over Starring the rights to Bruce Boxleitner. Starring Bruce Boxleitner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and of course it never got made into a movie. So like the whole thing is kind of a bit of a train wreck. Um, it's 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 I don't know. It's like a snapshot in time of 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 that period when probably a lot of really cool ideas weren't well executed in comics. You know what I mean? Like I kind of view like if this was buried into a time capsule and people were to dig it up a thousand years from now and to read this, like if Prophet were to like wake up and need something to read, he dug this up. <laughs> he would he would see this and Use be this like. Yeah, he would just be like, "Wow, I don't understand why people ever were into comics." You know what I mean? Like, it's just it just had a lot of potential that wasn't. It just failed on a lot of levels, you know. You, um, you, would, you wouldn't give this to someone who just saw the Avengers. No, <laughs> no, no, and it's yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just uh, you know, and then there, there's just again, there's like these little glints of things that you're like, that would be cool if it was done right, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the hands of someone capable, this would have been awesome. I, I loved Highlander, right? Like, I thought that was cool. I mean, not that it was high cinema, but, like, the concept is cool, you know? The idea of sort of yeah. uh, winnowing it down to a battle of the titans, if you will, you know, the, the survival of the fittest type of thing. Um, uh, certainly, this was one of the earlier ideas, examples of modern comics where they were playing with the with the idea of superheroes and what would happen if these people had powers and what would that mean for society. And look, I'm sure JMS would say that this in some ways fed into his, his work on Supreme power, which again, I thought Supreme power started off pretty cool. You know, I yeah. thought that, you know, it started off being the operative term. Um, so yeah, you know, Hey, look, I guess it's, uh, it's in a lot of ways, very JMS. So maybe it's appropriate that the artists aren't credited in the book, you know, mm. uh, and, and other people some- are playing. That's good. 
Sometimes yeah. intu intuition's right on the money. Because <laughs> I avoided that for years. It just yeah. di didn't seem like something I would I would want to read. I'm scared to read Midnight Nation now. You know me too, because but that, I, I mean, but that is only twelve issues. But then again, so it's twelve. So it's like I'm I'm just um, yeah, I know. I still have that sitting here, bought on one on eBay years ago, and I still. But I mean, that was because of the Gary Frank art. I, it had yeah, nothing to do just, with JMS. <laughs> Yeah, and there's just like weird things. Like, and I can see why people say like the first few issues started off good, but I don't even think like the first few issues aren't. I don't think all that great either. But I can see like what they mean in the sense of it's a little bit more like the, um, I guess, hero of the week or something, and that the narration that you're learning about stories of some of the heroes that that they call the low powers, like the ones that didn't have a lot of power and like their lives and how their lives kind of didn't go the way they had planned. And so when they're killed off, it almost seems like who really, you know. So there's a little bit of that. And it's kind of interesting. Like some of the 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 lesser characters are, are made to be pretty interesting. Um, but then they, they just, they have these threads that never go anywhere, you know, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to heroes, frankly. I mean, it really is like there's, there's these threads that they lay out and then you wonder if they just never got time to tell them or they just never thought to close the loop because they were going in other directions. Um, it's, uh, it's wacky. It's, it's, it's wacky. I, I, I think I appreciated it mainly because of the fact that I feel like it's a really representative time capsule of that period in, 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 in comics, you know? Um, and yeah. and it, it, it transcends from the very height of that period and then wraps up at the, at the point when that, when that period is pretty much crashed and burned, you know? Like, I think, by the time, I think by the time that the whole series finished, if I'm not mistaken, um, like, Image and Top Cow pretty much ceased to exist in the form that, you know, we, we know they, they had pretty much already blown up. And that he, he, I think the last issue has actually come out from Joe's own imprint. So, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Rising stars, wow. baby. Wow. Somebody better, better rise stars. us up. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it wasn't like an overtly negative experience, though, because it was kind of, it was, it was fascinating in a way, you know? Like, no, I mean, it was. It wasn't, it wasn't something I read and I'm like, this is just horrible. I read it and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, like. I can see there's a lot here that is evocative of, of what we know JMS to be now and what we know Top Cow to have been reputed to be, that they're fighting so hard now to not be seen as. And, you know, it's, you can kind of see it all now from a, a historical document. I view it as, as a historical document. It's interesting. I, yeah, I, that, that's really the only way I think I, I could. It, it's, it's similar to reading Men of Tomorrow or, or, or Tencent Plague or a prose book about the history of, of, of the medium. Yeah. Here's here's an actual living document that that you know brought it sequential art to life and and what to avoid and I I completely get what you're saying Jason I I will continue to avoid it yeah please do <laughs> now so if somebody recommends something they want someone to read uh, I got one yeah because um, Vince will probably get cracky if he starts talking that's true okay all right well um today so today I went to the store and I picked up a bunch of stuff. Um, that had been comic waiting day. for me. Uh, well, yeah, it was New Comic Day, but I had I had a few things that were waiting on my pile for me to grab that I just hadn't grabbed yet. So uh, one of the things I grabbed was uh, from IDW and Yo Books, which is uh, this Bob Powell's Terror. Which I guess this is the second one, right? Because the Dick yep. Briefer book. I know you talked about the Dick Briefer book, and I have that too. So yeah, this is the second one. Um, I haven't had, obviously since I just picked it up today, I haven't had too much time to really study it yet, but man, this is, I totally made the right decision by getting this. <laughs> it, I, this is, um, this is the first time I've ever read anything from Bob Powell. And to be honest with you, I was kind of unaware of him until I saw the Yo book and 
Craig Gill puts out like I mean he just he puts out these beautiful books like I bought his Ditko art book and I bought the the Dick Briefer one and a couple other things from him but man the guy knows how to put together just a handsome package yeah and, handsome and it, yes that yeah. that kind of package too but um but man this thing is just gorgeous I love like going back and sort of like rediscovering all these sort of forgotten people mm-hmm. um, and these forgotten greats. But man, this and what's really cool about this, and I can't remember this was in the in the briefer book too. But he has like page some pages where most pages are just scans and reproductions straight from the comics with the with the crummy four color processing and all that. But there's some that are uh, reproductions straight from the original art. Yeah. So it, it kind of switches back and forth. The briefer did that, right? Yes. Um, okay. But anyway, I so so. It it is just an awesome book, and it, for anybody that's like a fan of like horror comics, like this is just reading like two or three of these stories. This is kind of a must-have thing. It's for like yeah. you, even not just because I mean the stories are what they are because you know when they came out, you know they're a little cheesy here and there, but like the suspense is really good. And the guy Powell tells a story really really well. He kind of does it like like Ditko does it where. You know, like Will Eisner and, and Kirby, like they really explore the space on the page. You know, and um, it's you know, funny they, you should mention that because uh, Powell has a very Eisner-esque style. Yeah, well, I was I was scanning through it, and it looks like they they studied together or they worked together mm-hmm. or something like that. He has an Eisner-esque style, but like a lot of these, when I look at the pages, you know, he confines them to the panel. He confines what goes what's going on like inside like those panel borders. You know, whereas Eisner. I don't feel like does that as often. He explores the space a little bit more, and I feel like the way about Kirby too. Like Ditko and I think Powell, they tell the story really well and a very and really effectively, but they do it within the confines of that black border, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I mean, the storytelling in here is just terrific, and the ink work, especially in these pages where you can see just the originals that have been scanned in, is just stunning, and. I don't think obviously I don't think that's true of the four of us or or most uh most listeners of the show because they should know better but like so many of these guys like that were doing this stuff I th- I think a lot of people dismissed this work because the reproduction values were so bad mm-hmm. you know like back in the day and they they don't realize like how talented these cats were and uh this Powell book is just a stunning thing and it's it's a gruesome gruesome book yeah. um like the rat. We'll be talking man. in I terms of uh, like page count and, and like all that. Uh, the retail on it is twenty is twenty four ninety nine. So really cheap, um, super high quality paper, um, the right color and all that kind of stuff. It is a hundred and forty five pages, hundred forty four. Nice. So um, it's a really good value. Uh, but yeah, that Ratman story was actually funnily enough like the first one I just happened to flip to today and the one that I read. And that in this one, did you did you get this, Vince? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, I, I assume so, but I didn't want to... Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, that's the first one I flipped to, and that's one of the ones that's scanned from the original art, and that yeah. is a really great story. <laughs> he um, looks like it, Ross Perot. Yeah, he does look like Ross Perot. I kind of... <laughs> I was like, now that you've... Like, I couldn't pinpoint what it was, or like, who he looked like, but now that you say that, that's exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's a creepy story. It's it's a really creepy story, and it kind of... like kind of looks like... Like the crypt keeper kind of model, anyway. Yeah, he's got he's got like a little bit of like an EC like flair like about his face, mm-hmm. you know. Like you're just waiting mm-hmm. for him to have like an eye injury. So, <laughs> uh, 
but man, yeah, that that rat, uh, that rat, cat, the Ratman story was really good. It's about this uh, this mobster who is evidently a rat, and he's thinking about try thinking about a way to escape, and he's standing under this. He's like out at the docks, and he's standing under this thing that's like uh, they're they're loading up like this great big like crate of some kind, and there's some scientist type looking guy going, "That's my life work that's in there. Be careful with it." So he's standing underneath it, and he's looking up, and there's this rat by the crate, and he's dreaming about how the rat can just escape, and how they're so alike. Well, this other mobster who's after him says, decides the way to kill him is to shoot the rope that's holding the crate, and then smash him with it. So he he manages to shoot this rope. And the, the crate comes tumbling down, like smashes this guy and just splatters him all over the pavement, him and the rat. And it's so funny because the rat is so small, but like the coroner is there talking about like, boy, you can just see it's just the guy and just this one little rodent. Why would they give a shit about the rodent? But, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, they, but apparently they do. And then uh, what, whatever was in this crate like, f- like makes like this mush that is the man and the rat like formed together into this mutated rat beast. Nice. Uh, and he he scurries off into the sewer and he goes on a crime spree <laughs> but he and he he digs a burrow under like a brownstone and then he's like lamenting the fact that he's stolen all this money but he can't do anything with it because he's a rat man and um so the guy that and so he decides he's going to take out his revenge on the guy that turned him into this rat creature so he goes and finds the guy's girlfriend and apparently he doesn't murder her. He just scares her so bad that she turns into an old lady. It's like, <laughs> shit. It's, it's just ridiculous. But it's How about so the newspaper? Great. The oh, little newspaper that says, what is this? A terror, terror-stricken terror city, helpless against rat. Yep, I'm looking right at it. That's exactly what it says. Oh, and he's, he's standing on top of it. Like it's, it, he's standing on top of it, and he's got this mouth, and in, in the mouth is like a bag, or in his mouth is a bag full of jewels and stuff that's sort of like pouring out all over the pavement. It's just, oh my god, it's just beyond comprehension, like how crazy yeah. the story is. But it is so fun and so good. And the one thing that, it didn't bother me a whole lot, but it kind of bugged me, was through the stories, like he couldn't really decide how big the rat was. Sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like when he's sitting on that newspaper, he's very small. Either he's really small, or that newspaper is the biggest goddamn newspaper ever printed. <laughs> or and then there's other moments where he's just this huge, just hulking rat beast. Yeah, you know, when he's in the when he's taking the jewels in the in the one uh, panel, he's as big as a human. Yeah, Wait, exactly. I didn't think, yeah. Uh, I didn't think Ariel Olivetti was was alive back then. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Well, and in that opening, well, in that opening panel too, he's like seven or eight feet tall. So like they, yeah, they it's a big rat. Yeah, it's a that's a big fucking rat. That's a scary ass <laughs> rat. So, um, but anyway, like that that nitpick aside, like it's really well drawn and it's just a great fun story. And I I just adore like finding all this old horror stuff. That's why. I think Vince, you and I talked about this once before, but um, those Dan Nadel books, like those Art in Time and Art Out of Time, yep. I I love those things for the same reason I love this book. I love finding those old or refinding those old guys, those old masters that knew how to tell stories and knew how to really have fun with what they were doing and didn't feel constrained by reality when they told stories. Mm-hmm. They just sort of did whatever they wanted, and they were very obviously keenly aware of the fact that like. Well, this guy's as strong as I need him to be on this panel and in this page. And then after that, right. he's as weak as I need him to be on the page after that. So yep. just go with it and just tell the story and get it done. And I love that. That's, I mean, that's one of my favorite things about comics is that anybody can do that. And the other thing I like, too, 
not to ramble on too much about it, but I really like to uh, when they when, when like the Yo books come out and when Blake Bell puts out his Ditko books and the Natal books when they reproduce these things without altering the color at all. Right. Um, I mean, the coloring process was admittedly garbage at the time, but that really adds so much like character to what's going on on the page and like helps you appreciate like what how this was seen and like in the way it makes it would have made you feel if you were a kid you know 60 years ago picking this up for the first time it's and, like, the chip kid like, approach yeah exactly they just exactly they just scan the scan the pages the way they were yeah <laughs> but no but that's but that's exactly it though and, and i think the the work is better served for that and um for as much as i like seeing like crisp colors like you know i i would be much happier if some of like my marvel omnibuy or masterworks editions went this same route i would much rather see this than than the recoloring and it's not and that's nothing against those guys that work hard and recolor those things not at all but um i i just feel like this is a more honest depiction of what the comics were at the time and uh i really love that from like a historical standpoint Mm-hmm. But but this is a great book and it's super cheap. I mean, I I think that's I think it's a great value. Twenty five bucks for one hundred and fifty pages of stuff that would cost you, you know, several hundred dollars to buy uh, to track down all these individual stories because they're they're anthology type stories, so they're spread out over several different comics and several different issues. Um, but it's really really good and just like the other one, they've got that. I wish on the um, on the Dick Briefer one. I know Vince talked about this, but they had like the cutouts for the eyes on the Frankenstein. I wish this had the cutout too, but it's still got the really nice spot varnish on the front and and all that kind of stuff. And a big picture, uh, a big picture of Bob Powell's head on the back. It kind of looks like it kind of looks like one of the, like a mask you would wear at Halloween. Like you would just cut out like a piece of like a copy paper and then tie strings to it and wear it around like an office or something. Nice, nice little crackly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, that that was it, man. It's really, really good, and um, just flipping through it, just it, it makes it makes my heart happy just to go through this stuff and see these old horror comics. And, and one other thing I would say about it too is like Powell draw. Not only does he is I think not only do I think he's really, really good with the storytelling, but like he draws really beautiful women. But not only can he draw beautiful women, he can flip that on its head, and when he needs them to be hideous, disgusting monsters and beasts, like <laughs> he, he, he draws some ugly-ass people, too. And he knows how to make them feel ugly and creepy and disturbed and disgusting. And um, he, he just has that down to, like, a science. Like, I, 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 would put, I would hold his work here up against not, maybe not everyone, but most people that drew EC horror comics. Wow, I mean, that's he, big words. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I, I stand by that 100%. I, th- I think he's every bit as good. Um, and this is just un- unbelievable, just great, great horror comics. So, yeah. My favorite panel in the entire book, I'm assuming I'm okay, uh, comes at the end of uh, the happy anniversary story, and it's the, the head yep. that they used for the cover of, yeah. of the husband all disgusting and drippy and and uh sitting at the table and if, if you look at his hand his f- pinky or his index finger is snapped and it's and it's hanging off the side of the table and yep. and oh god it's disgusting one oh, of his one of his <laughs> eyes are, are missing and his, his he still has his most of his hair but I don't mean, you his, love how how you can hear the love in vince's voice when he talks about stuff like this no but, but you should see it it's a it's a gorgeous drawing but it's yeah. disgusting I, I would, I would, I'm right there with you, man. I'm, I flipped to that just now. God, it, it is a really beautiful drawing. It is. I, and, and like, it's like, it's like weird, like 
climb into like that dark side because in that same panel you see like the, the woman and the woman is gorgeous yeah she's all crying oh but her husband's dead so it doesn't really matter does it yeah <laughs> the guy's the dude's eyes all his surviving eye is all bloodshot and the whites of his he has no white of his eye left it's all pink and bloody and and his skin is all yellow parts of his his uh cranium like the skin on his forehead is peeled back so you can see the the musculature underneath it's nuts and it's so lovingly rendered but I you I think and I know you 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 saw a little bit of it but I think there's a lot of Eisner in um in Powell's work uh, because he worked in the in the Eisner Iger studio and oh, yeah. look at all the guys that came out of there they they all have that little Eisner flourish to to their artwork but you nailed it not so much in the sequentials more more along the lines of drawing style mm-hmm. Powell, Powell captures that but he's his own man when it comes to laying out the panels and and the, the progression of the story you're right yep no i i agree yeah I, you can definitely see it, there's definitely like in the people and the way that the the panels are set up and structured and that sort of thing and like the, the use of like light and shadow i mean <laughs> yeah that that's all about, really Eisner about influence. the wall of flesh sucking in the nurse oh man it's it's amazing like a giant I haven't, I haven't seen that one it's in the it's in the first first uh quarter of the book i think it's like the second or first it's actually the first story the wall of flesh <laughs> oh man yeah i just i just grabbed this thing and just flipped right to the middle oh man yeah that's a that's a great picture what would you do if there was like a wall of flesh coming at you how would you get away I, I probably wouldn't. I would just. I would just allow myself to be consumed by it because at that point, like you, you've got nothing left going for it. If there's a wall of flesh, like you know what, it's, just take me. It's over. It depends, though. If the wall of flesh had a nipple on it, it would give Dude, me pause. You You're right, though, Zach, because that's how I felt. I could ne- no so, uh, horror movies as a kid never bothered me except wow. for one, and that was the freaking blob. The blob freaked oh, the shit out of me, that's, dude. Like that's similar I was, to the, um, the second creep. The second creep show when the kids are on the. Uh, Oh yeah, it, on the dock. Yes, yeah, on the little floating. Uh, yeah, rack. man. That, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Something about the gelatinous. Like, I was gonna say gelatinous thing. horror bothers it, it you. Just, it seemed re- no, it seemed like it could really happen. I don't know. It just seemed like, like I don't know, like seeing the thing like, and it just seemed like inescapable, you know? Because yes, like, you remember, I, and there were a lot of versions of the blob, but I think it was the one probably from like the late '60s, maybe early '70s, where. Um, like the thing like crawls in and it's like inside of like a cat like an open can of cat food and it's like just sitting in there and then the cat goes to eat it and then it eats the cat and then it's oh freaking me out man well i think you should buy this book because there's another story in here called it that deals with a gelatinous horror too this one's blue and it's just like this mucusy disgusting blob of sweaty skin that just attacks people and it's 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 nuts it's in the second half of the book Get them, uh, Zach. You have an eye out for the third one, right? Yes, I do. I think, okay. I, yeah, I have it on order. It's so. called Zombies, I think. Yeah, yep. That that was just available for pre-order within the last like month or two, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I I know I grabbed it. So, um, freaking love this series. Yeah, I I do too. And and, and Craig Yo just knows how to put a book together, man. He does. And it's just beautiful. And, you know, you're talking about being in that Eisner Iger studio. There's a really awesome picture in here. I mean, it's. It's not, I guess, there's nothing spectacular about the picture itself, but it's a picture of Bob Powell and Will Eisner and um, Nick Carty, like, all just, like, hanging out, like, talking about pages. Oh, my God. Oh, page seven, right? Yeah, like, oh, my God. To, like, be in a room with, like, that, like, with those people. Like, oh, my God. Like, it's just, it puts it all in perspective. Like, these guys just kind of, like, hung out and, like, oh, yeah, you should do this here and you need to change this, Bill. Like, what? Like, (laughs) it's... 
it's it's hard to imagine like all of that like sort of like greatness just sort of like mushed into one room, let alone mm-hmm. one building, yeah, or 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 an industry. Or, That's why right. see so. there are there are there are times where I and don't get me wrong because I love I love the fact that in this day and age I can pick up a comic book. And there's art by Mahmoud Asrar or Raphael Albuquerque or Jerome Pena. And, you know, these people don't work in the United States. But back when, especially the, the early days of Marvel or, or, or even DC, where you had the bullpen and you had guys having to go to work and work with other artists, I just, the kind of work that comes out of that, I don't think can be beat, can be touched. No, Cross chain, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, as as sad as it was when it, how it ended. I mean, how how it all just kind of imploded, and I mean, it couldn't sustain. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I thought it was kind of neat that you know he had everybody had to move down to Florida, everybody had to like you know kind of show up to work and, and put to work in. And I didn't, I wasn't, I was away at that time, so I did, I wasn't reading. I, I read the the Wizard previews, but I never really read any of the Cross Gen books. But I know that it it definitely when I read about Cross Gen how they were coming to, to be, I was like, that's neat. That just, that reminds me of, you know, reading the bullpen bulletins and, and the snippets from, you know, back in the day when, when they were producing those early issues of Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and, and Tales of Suspense and things like that. And I just, it's, I still, technology makes things change and, and, uh, and we have we have fantastic books from people from all over the world that are working. You know, with some dude in Kansas is is working with an artist from you know the Philippines and shit like that, and it's great. But you know, having having that that uh, that teamwork, that collaborative effort, when someone can just walk over to your desk and say, "I think we need to change something in this panel," and you can rewrite something on the fly like that without needing email or a fax machine, I really love that. Yeah, me too. It's 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 an awesome thing, and it and it's I don't know. It, I I know that it's not. I know the reality is that it's not. But it feels like it's something that's just like unique to comics as a medium too. Mm-hmm. Like and, you know, like I said, when I think about it, I'm like ah, of course, like that's that's bullshit. But like I I desperately want it to be unique to comics, so I just sort of pretend that it is. Right. And, right. and like that's. It's just more like the I don't know like I I get all like misty eyed when I think about this stuff I'm like yeah nothing else could do that comics <laughs> comics win all the time like, comics rule yeah but but like when you see pictures like that or like even like like when I like read like when I when I would read like uh, Steve Ditko's essays or whatever about you know like when he worked in the bullpen like that's just like an amazing thing to think about or or just even thinking about Steve Ditko and Joe Staten like working in the same studio together <laughs> yeah like, like where Ditko is drawing like horror stuff and his superhero stuff and like you know has his rigid moral code and then there's Joe Staten across the way drawing friggin like bondage comics yeah and uh-huh. and, and then Ditko like helping him ink them and then of course denying it later but like like th- <laughs> Like, that's just this amazing, just beautiful thing. Like, that happened? Like, yeah, that happened. And I, I don't know. I, I just I love it, and it makes me wistful for the medium, you know, I guess. You know, it's cool. I mean, um, like, that's one of the cool things I think it's great about, like, Norton and Seeley and those guys, that yeah. they're doing that, man. Like, and, and it's, not yeah. just, it's not just one of those named art studios. Like, they have an office, and they all spend, like, most of their day there. They actually, like, the, those guys, you know, almost all of them, like, Sean, they're all there, like... 40 plus hours a week working, you know, writing and drawing comics and like collaborating together. And that's awesome. Like that must be so enriching, you know, I don't know. I just think that would be great. It's probably a good thing in terms of 
limiting the amount of uh, PS3 and Xbox playing. Exactly. Yes. No, yeah. For real, though. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, it's just it's a group of your friends that are keeping you honest the whole time mm-hmm. and like making sure like you're on your ass and working and doing the best work possible and th- hopefully they're people and I'm sure this is true with Mike and Sean and yeah that they they're not going to bullshit you they're going to call you yeah, out yeah exactly if something sucks you're like oh, what if, are you doing if you're doing your best they need they need to feel they need to do better than that so they're yeah. going their best so yeah I love that that just that you know I need to top this so I'm going to put my best work out there it, you can't. You can't slack off. You can't, especially with your friends, because they're going to call you out on it. They're going to tell exactly. you that that's just that, that that's bogus, dude. You can't. It's be- like after we hang up, and I tell Vince what a horrible episode he had today. <laughs> Every <laughs> damn <laughs> week, I'm getting sick of hearing it. Bring it next week. Right. Every yeah. damn week. That, that hasn't worked yet, but yeah, I know. One of these times, though. Whatever. 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 I got something. I know. Go you ahead. Do. It's rain crack. You go for it. Nice. Much love. I got for to this. buy that, by the way. I know. I got. Much love, and I'm going to take it slow because few things excite me as much as the work of this uh, writer whose stories mm-hmm. are represented in this hardcover collection. It is, uh, well, all of the stories, and there's four of them, one long major work, three major works, but they're short because this guy didn't write minor works as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the stories were written by Mr. Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, and the stories were adapted and illustrated by a man named Jason Bradley Thompson. It's an oversized hardcover, 182 pages, published by Mockman Press, funded by Kickstarter. He ran a nice little Kickstarter program to get this thing up and running. And it now, was, Is that how you got it? No, it was uh, very successful. I got it through uh, Diamond previews. Okay. So, um, and it's called the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath and Other Stories. Now, the uh, adapter slash illustrator is very canny in his choices for uh, stories because uh, Howard Phillips Lovecraft produced twenty-one stories set in the Dreamlands. Uh, some sources cite 24, but the additional three only mention, uh, they just name drop areas in the dreamland. There, there's no actual connection other than their names being, uh, mentioned in the story. So you have 21 stories comprising Lovecraft's dream cycle. And, uh, Thompson picked four, the longest, of course, being, uh, Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. But the other stories he chose, The White Ship, Cephale, I think it's called. It's the name of a city. And uh, the Strange High House in the Mist. All of these stories have connections to, direct connections to Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. So he's really smart in, in the stories he chose for this volume. Uh, but make no mistake, Unknown Kadath is the showpiece. It's very long. It goes, I don't even want to, I didn't count the pages because I was just loving every bit of it. But it's the majority of the 180 uh page 182 page hardcover is mm-hmm. dream quest so it's it's a sprawling tale um and the the one of the nice things about it is when you open the book the end papers are a map of the dreamlands lovingly rendered i mean it is unbelievable the detail this guy invested in this work and you can actually trace randolph carter's path 
through the dreamlands with the map. I mean, like Tolkien, that just enriches the experience of the story. When you can visualize where this guy is going through this map, what he's in proximity with, what directions he's going, how far he has to go to get to his destination, that to me is cool. I I love maps that accompany works. Am, Am I the only one? I'm sure I'm not. No. No. And uh, so it starts off very slowly. I think the white ship is the, is the shortest of the stories adapted. And um, it, it, it tells the tale of a Mr. Basil Elton, who's a keeper of a North Point lighthouse. And basically what this story is, is his ferry through the dreamlands on the deck of this mysterious white ship. And he's shown various lands within the dreamlands and wants to stop off at every one of them. But the uh, this, I wouldn't call him the captain, but this, this man with these strange markings on his, on his forehead tells him we can't stop there. That is, that is the land where, where, where once you trod the ground on that land, you can't return. And for everyone, he seems to have a reason why they can't stop. And, um, well, they get to a certain place and Mr. Uh, Elton gets delusions of grandeur and, and very uh, human-like proclaims himself, I want to stop here, I want to be the, the, the ruler of this place, it's all about me, and, and the ship is then catapulted into limbo, uh, uh, into the abyss uh, because of um, the, the man's vanity, I'm assuming. And ultimately, the dude was tested. By what? We can't say, but he was found wanting, and uh, th- th- at the end, I'll spoil it, because you, you should have read these Lovecraft stories. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty, they are classics. Um, the, the lighthouse goes out for the first time ever at the end. So it's, it's a symbolic tale of, of one man's um, inability to meet the testing of, of the gods, what gods, I don't know. Uh, and it's it's not really made clear, but it doesn't have to be, right? It's Lovecraft. You can Correct. surmise where this stuff is coming from. Uh, the, the second story is, uh, I'm going to try, it's Cellophase, C-E-L-E-P-H-A-I-S. So I'm going to say Cellophase. In the face. Right. It <laughs> uh, tells the story of William Trevor King, a man who... Uh, a self-imposed uh, alienation from society just doesn't get the things that drive society in his day and he retreats from the waking world into the timeless embrace of the dreamlands it, it's a it's a place of solace for him um, dreamlands is not all doom and gloom and, and monsters there are some beautiful areas of the dreamlands and, and he um, visits uh, repeatedly visits one of these areas and eventually stays there and becomes King Karanis of the city of Selaface, which overlooks the Serenarian Sea. And this king, King Karanis, and, and the character of William Trevor King make an appearance in the dream quest of Anon Kadath because Randolph Carter knows him. Well, at least he knew him in the waking world. And, and uh, he encounters him in that long story uh, as... Well, I'll, I'll leave that for later. Uh, the third story is, is called The Strange High House in the Mist. This is the most tenuous link of all of the, uh, the, the, the preface, prefatory uh, stories because it, it, it's, a, it's a story of philosopher Thomas Only who uh, recently moved to Kingsport, Rhode Island, right? And he's drawn to this ancient 
mysterious cabin that's perched high atop this 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 precarious rocky perch um in fact sailors uh use the perch in lieu of the stars because the, the perch is so high that it even blocks out um like the 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 sailors there's one part in the story where they say it blocks out the little dipper and they could tell the time uh of of the evening by how much of the little dipper this perch blocks out so they're still using the stars but this thing is so so high in the sky that it obscures the stars the constellations and um this uh thomas olney is lulled by this unknown uh, cabin like what what is in here i i have to know and he 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 he's almost mesmerized by this this mysterious uh cabin and he climbs the mountain this precarious mountain climbs it in dress shoes no less reaches the top and and he finds the cabin is inhabited by ellipsis something right so then we get to the dream quest, the long, sprawling, rambling, but in a good way, dream quest. And it's, it, it, I could summarize this story in one sentence. Randolph Carter uh, and his adventures in the dreamlands while searching for the fabled city of Kadath, this, this uh, sunset city he's dreamed about on three occasions, but was pulled back into the waking world and uh, supposedly... The gods, the great ones, reside within this city. That's Dream Quest in an un, uh, unknown Kadath in a nutshell. Randolph Carter looking for Kadath. But th the, uh, this is one of these tales, like the, the Lord of the Rings, where the joy is in the journey. I mean, mm -hmm. Randolph Carter gets pulled through hell and back. Um, some of the things you'll encounter in this tale, um, the uh, feline and fungi-eating zoogs, um, you'll see the, the forthright and fearless Ulthar cats. Now, remember when we talked about, uh, the Neonomicon, the name of the band was the Ulthar cats. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the city in the dreamlands called Ulthar has a, uh, a, a teeming population of, of cats and it is against the law for man to kill a cat in the city. And there's a reason why, because the Zoogs, these nasty little, uh, if you see in the movie critters, they kind of look like the critters a little bit. Um, the the zoogs who are primarily uh, vegetarians, but they they do sample meat from now and then, and they um, they eat cats definitely. But there's one scene in here where there's a zoog peering into a cradle, and and there's like a baby in the cradle. So the the cats are like Ulthar's protectors. So you can't kill a damn cat in Ulthar. They're they're sacred. Um, th there are black ships that are able to breach the boundary where the earth meets the sky and they can traverse the void of space. They actually sail through space to the dark side of the moon. Thank you, Pink Floyd. <laughs> a, a, a place that's populated by grayish, white, slippery moon beasts and, and their grotesque, almost human slaves. You'll see silent, inky black and batwing night gaunts, which are really cool. Um, in the dark veil of Nath... There's uh it's a sweeping panorama of nothing but bones, skeletons as far as the eye can see over these rolling hills of skeletons and and what what this is is it's the cast off the 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 detritus of uh the ghouls feeding when when the ghouls consume they just fling the bones into this this veil and they've piled up over the eons and it's just nothing <laughs> but bone right and Randolph Carter gets dumped into this place. And as he's 
um, making his way across the the crunching uh, ground, there's something underneath, and he can hear it. It's I mean it's totally Lovecraftian. He he can hear this thing traversing the the murky depths of the bone, and it's called it's called a bowl. B h o l e. No one has ever seen one appropriately enough but they know they're there because they can hear them crunching it's it's so cool wow. um uh what else do we have there, there is uh creatures called the ghasts and uh the colossal vertical mouth gugs the the gugs hunt, hunt the ghasts in this uh place called the vaults of zin uh the 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 uh the ghasts look like um well they're kind of hairless but they're these the, they have this like Mr. Sardonicus, if it was a creature with that that rictus with the, all the teeth and they look like they're smiling even when they're not, but the um the gugs are disgusting they're they're huge uh, and as I said, their mouth is vertical, but there's these hulking creatures that look like they have spider appendages for genitalia it's, it's oh, oh man it's nasty uh they do they're very spider like and very troll like at the same time. But uh, the, the the one thing about this book that I really want to hammer home is the level of detail in this thing. Every panel will set you back at least 20 minutes. It's it's like Jeremy Bastain's Cursed Pirate Girl translated through a, a more indie, more underground sensibility. Uh, the, the, the time invested in rendering this thing i i have i can't even estimate how long it took him to draw this thing because every creature every bit of um landscape the the architecture uh you have sumerian babylonian mesopotamian all mixed together like he had to conceive what these cities look like because lovecraft while very descriptive and rambling uh when he did so words trigger images in your mind it still doesn't do all the work right you, you can't just pluck something out of your mind and throw it down on paper there, there's a lot of of grunt work involved in conceiving these things and expertly crafted book and conceived the the uh from the cats to the the cities of the dreamland to the people that populate it the the clothing uh, the costumery it's amazing and and i'm not doing it any kind of service by just using that word because it's far beyond that it's 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 disgustingly detailed i was thinking to myself as a lovecraft fan and a comic fan I, i've encountered a lot of lovecraft adaptations over the years right this puts all of them to shame save the work of richard corbin well, I was going to say, you know, Corbin's uh, the best in my mm, book. But when you, when you, um, when you, when we asked this, when we were chatting earlier, and and I said, "What y'all been reading this week?" And you, you, re you mentioned this, and I went to the website and checked it out. I mean, the uh, the level of detail grabs you. I mean, I, I think you can't underestimate Absolutely. for people listening at home. Like, I, I know this isn't the first time we have talked about Lovecraft, and I know for some people, it's like. You're either into it or you're not, but I will say that this is really it looks like I've always been a little intrigued by Lovecraft, but admittedly I'm not like full bore into it like you know like you Vince or like mm -hmm. uh, you know or like many people. It seems like people that are into Lovecraft are like really Mr. passionate Mr. about it. Hardman and his lovely wife. Kind of his wife. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But but this like seeing it illustrated in that way with like you said the detail and the, you look at the preview pages. I'm absolutely going to get this because I feel like it may help me bridge the gap between the concept of Lovecraft and 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 sort of it helped me sort of 
come to terms with a little bit more than, than mm-hmm. I have from just the pros, you know? So, um, I mean, it, it, although it's not the same style, it, it seemed, because you're, you're comparing it to Cursed Pirate Girl, but I guess I look at that a little differently in that, like, Bastion's stuff is super detailed, but it's also very, um, like it, it almost looks like, almost like, you know, it's almost like a tattoo. Like, it's, it's you know, it's just, it's black ink. Right. And whereas, like, this is, is more than that, and it, it, it strikes me a little bit almost of a, uh, it evoked to me a lot of like the Winchless stuff that in the Pinocchio book that I was talking about a, a couple yeah, months back. Yeah, you know, but, I mean, um, not the same style, but I just mean like with the color and the detail, and it just it sort of it intrigued me in that in that vein. You know, like there's a little more dimension to it, I think, than Bastion stuff, and that like you know, Bastion is just pure. You know, um, he's awesome too, but I just mean it. It seemed like there's a, there's a little more to this in terms of like cartooning, whereas Bastion, I feel like his stuff kind of looks like almost like flat, almost like um like old like 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 you'd see in like a like a wreck doer. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, so yeah. which I think is by design in his part, but but right. Yeah. But uh, uh, Thompson, he uses cross hatching a lot, and he uses stipple and pointillism a lot, and cross hatching is not only demanding, but you gotta be fairly concerned about its placement and he has an uncanny sense of knowing where the cross hatching is going to work the best and he always adds an element uh, something in the foreground that's primarily uh that will hold the light source and he'll do the the pointillism on the stuff in the foreground where in the mid and background he'll do the cross hatching and it gives this amazing sense of depth through all the panels and panels it is not uncommon to encounter a page with 16 18 panels none of them look cramped or uh ultra busy it's it's just i i this is the first time i've ever ever encountered this guy's work but jesus i'm a fan and i'm gonna stick i'm gonna follow everything he does because for the first of the material that I've I've encountered of his to be this goddamn good, mm-hmm. what is he capable of? Where he's only going to grow as an artist. I can't imagine him producing anything better than this, but I'm sure he's going to. It's just that this thing is so fully realized and so amazingly beautiful that were this his swan song, he would be up there. I mean, he is up there with the the best of the best of the Lovecraft uh, interpreters. I just think it's just. It's it's ungodly and pun intended. It's it's amazing. But back to uh, the the car death story. What else do we have? We, we have you will see a war between the cats of Ulthar and the Zugs. There's a rock in the middle of the sea with no name, whose haunting wails is said to drive men to madness. Uh, you have fearsome horse-headed and scaled Shantak birds who are scared shitless by the night gaunts. Uh, mountain-sized statues carved in the likeness of two-headed dog-faced creatures ringing the outskirts of the great onyx quarry. And throughout the whole thing, you uh, will encounter the eye of the ever-watchful crawling chaos known as Nyarlathotep. I always have a problem with that, but he's in here. You will encounter Nyarlathotep in this. Uh, There's a conceptual hook, though, to these stories, and it's really cleverly done humans are rendered in the waking world as humans appropriately enough once a character parses the dreamlands it's really neat they become 
this cartoony abstraction of a human in in, in like a nightshirt or pajamas. Um, the uh, when when Rand- Randolph Carter passes over. He he takes on this cartoony guise, but his arms and legs are like rope. They're 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 twisted like like seaman's rope. This the huge braided rope, and he has a face that is almost devoid of detail, save for the eyes and occasionally the mouth. When he talks, once in a while you can see his mouth open, but the the expression in the eyes is where it's at. I mean, uh, Thompson really pushes the the soulfulness in the eyes and it's almost as if the author is saying when you go over you lose that humanity your humanity's gone you become something other than what you were and it happens in every story trevor king becomes uh, a cartoony type figure but the cool part in in um unknown kadath when randolph carter meets trevor king trevor king looks like a human but and when when king is looking at um Carter, he sees the human version of Carter. It's nuts. There, there's one panel. I think there's a, a mirror somewhere in the room, and we see the, the human guise of, of Randolph Carter as King is talking. And at the end of the, there's this huge battle, and, and Carter does something, and he, he becomes, well, they show him with a dripping sword. I won't say what happens, but he has, he has a sword, and it's dripping, and you can see the drops dropping by his feet. They're human feet. And, and the knuckles holding the sword are human. And then in the next panel, it, he turns back to the cartoony version. And in the third panel, he's back to human. It's like, there's, it's where, what about this incident caused his humanity to go away? He was wounded in the battle. And he's bleeding. Nice. And, 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 it, and because I guess it wasn't a, a mortal wound, but I mean, he is wounded, so I guess it, 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 the link with the dreamlands, like maybe he almost woke up during this section. But then by the, by the end of the, the thing, he, he turns, the reader always sees the, the cartoony version of him whenever he interacts with other characters. It, it's uncanny. Really smartly done. That, that, it's, it's a little stylistic, uh, flourish to the, to the stories, but I think it's brilliant. That 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 when when they they jump into this otherworldly realm, there's realm there's something other than human. I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? But who would have thought about it? Who who would have thought to do that? They would have just done Randolph Carter as a human in a, in maybe a nightshirt traversing these these realms. It, it's just brilliant. I I I, I can't say um, enough about this book. If you if you take my words, uh, take my opinions to heart, do not. Wait and and just run right out and order this friggin' thing. It's worth. And every where can they order it though? That's the key. Oh, and um, the the cartoony version of the the characters are based on. It's called the Mockman, which is also the name of the publishing house, Thompson's Publishing Company, Mockman Press. Right? He used to draw this character as a child, and he called him the Mockman, and that's the character that's going through the dreamlands. So he's he's taking this childhood dream type character. And inserting it into a Lovecraft story, so he's bridging the gap between his youth and uh, his adulthood, which is kind of, sort of, part of what Unknown Quest of of uh, uh, Quest for Unknown Kadath is about, right? It's about Randolph Carter's uh, idyllic childhood and him trying to get back there. It's it's perfect. It works. Where can they get it? 
Mockman Press. Uh, let me see if the the Earl is in this book. If not, this should be m o c k m a n dot com. That's yep. what it is. David got it. Mockman dot com. And how much is it going to set us back? It's twenty four ninety five. Twenty four ninety nine. Sorry for for an oversized hardcover. It's that's they're he's giving it away. That's um, good. Especially if the, you if you look at the preview pages. I mean, it really is worth it. I mean, when yeah, we talk sure. about some of the, we we can kind of complain. And and convince you about you know some of uh, the big twos publishing pricing for what you get, but uh-huh. this is one of those things where it it definitely it is worth your money. Yeah, we talk about decompressed storytelling all the time. This is ultra compressed storytelling. There, there's right. more on on a page than than uh, three to five pages in in a big two comic. No, I'm not kidding. Um, one of the things I forgot to mention. Dream Quest also bridges the gap between one of Lovecraft's other stories, um, Pickman's Model, because uh, Boston painter Richard Pickman uh, appears in the Dream Quest. He is one of the prominent citizens in the uh, the ghoul community. In fact, he's physically transformed into a ghoul, and that's that's what he was. If you've read Pickman's Model, he was uh, a painter noted for his grotesqueries. And in the Dreamland, he takes on the physical characteristics of that which he painted. It's really sharp, really sharp. Um, hey, hey, this is yeah. pretty badass too. There's uh, there's annotations for Dream Quest on the Mockman website too. Nice. <laughs> so you can sort of uh, follow along. There you go. Back of the book, you get a gallery with uh, pre-production drawings, sketchbook drawings of of the the almost humans. And Pikmin and and the you know the the ghouls and and all the characters, not all of them, but most a lot of characters that appear. You get early drawings of the Dreamlands and uh, uh, the characters therein. I guess um, Randolph Carter was modeled after Mr. Lovecraft himself. That's pretty smart. Uh, full page illustrations. Uh, what else? You get more full page illustrations. It's a pretty pretty hefty back matter. Uh, a list of everyone that con- contributed to the Kickstarter campaign, which is nice. Yep. And a little about the uh, author on on the last page. He uh, has authored manga, The Complete Guide, which was nominated for an Eisner Award. His own comics include Hyperborea, which is based on a Clark Ashton Smith story. Wow, there's a stretch. And uh, he authors the graphic novel series called King of the RPGs, which is drawn by Victor Howe at kingofrpgs.com. He lives in Seattle, and he looks really young, which makes me hate him even more. <laughs> yeah, this guy's, this guy's got it going on. You think this is uh, in the running for an 11 o'clock skirt? I think it's going to be at the top until something better comes along and Dude, knocks it down. <laughs> it, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is funny that you, um, you bring that up, Jason, because I was thinking about it today. How I've been I've been hit with some uh, ADD recently. I'll, I'll pick something up, start it. Want to try something else? Pick that up, start it. And so I have a few things that I haven't finished yet. But as I'm as I'm reading each thing, I'm thinking we're we're in the middle of May. We're almost at the end of May, and 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 it's almost at the half a year mark. And I have to start looking back on the past six months and and uh, and think about what i've liked because it it's i i don't want to get to to thanksgiving and try to scramble about you know right. past 11 months and and it's just i thought about it today and and you just mentioned it to vince about this book and i was thinking about a couple of things that i've been reading recently that that would 
that, that I'd have to probably find a place for. But it, it is, I mean, I, so that's basically me just interrupting you by saying that if, if you are, if there are things that you are thinking about, please make a note. Yeah, especially this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Dream Quest, uh, okay, it's Lovecraft. There's a, 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 a huge horror element to these, to this story, to all the stories, but Dream Quest in particular, it's not entirely horror. It, it's there's fantasy elements to it. There's the obviously the quest element, and if it means anything, if it, it'll sway your decision to to buy this book, it does not have a typical Lovecraft ending, which means it's it's not a downer. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, no, it's not a downer. It, Dream Quest ends on a on a fairly high note. So, well, I just ordered it. Oh nice. yay! Hey now, there you go. Complete I've done my job. I've done oh, did yeah. it. No, Zach, you're going to eat it up. Oh, uh, no, I know. I I love Lovecraft. Well, I was looking on the, while you were talking, I was looking on the website too and he did a Dunwich horror story and oh, I love the Dunwich horror. So, yeah, I'm all over this. I have it's, to, I have to have it. It's not a book that you'll finish in a day or a week. If you, if you take your time and appreciate all of the the uh the line work and the and the pacing and just uh, it'll take you at least Two three weeks just to get through this book. Um, I I read it earlier in the in the month and I I didn't want to rush it, so I reread it quickly this week just to bone up to for the show. But I took my time initially. I was glad I did. It's the it's a phenomenal achievement, unbelievable. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. I have to have this. Yeah. There you go. So that's my contribution. Damn it. Aw, love Aww, it. Aw, David. Um. Well, I. See, part of me, I'm glad Jason kind of went in the direction of, you know, he read something and he did read it and he was looking forward to reading it and he picked it up and, and it was, I mean, it's something big. It's not like if, if it's the only thing you read this week, bro, you know, and you weren't feeling it, then that's what you're going to talk about on the show. I mean, there are times where we could probably read a dozen comics from one episode to the next, and we're going to talk about the three or four things that really moved us or that, you know, we felt was worth talking about. But this was, this is a big ass book and, and you weren't feeling it. So that's what you talked about. And, and there, um, there's one book, big ass. well, there's, there's, there's one, um, there's one comic that, you know, four issues in with this new creative team. And I'm still, I'm still loving it. And it is a book that had a first issue come out a couple of weeks ago, and I was kind of not so thrilled about it. So I'll start. You want to hear the good news or the bad news first? Start with the bad. Want to hear the bad news? All right. This was one of the books that I did not read when this publisher first introduced it back in the '90s, and I figured, let me see how I'm going to feel about this character's new introduction in 2012. So I decided to read Exo Man of War number one. Oh. And like I said, since I did, since it was one, when, when Valiant started, I read Solar Man of the Atom. I read some issues of Magnus Robot Fighter. Um, uh, but it was, it was mostly, um, nah, I can't even say it was the Gold Key Dell characters that really kept me coming back but archer and armstrong eternal warrior those were kind of my favorites harbinger so it was you know exo man of war and and shadow man i came into late but it exo wasn't one that really wowed me when the first 
came out because I figured I'll just read Iron Man. But the uh, <laughs> the, the the thing is, and, and then Arc was kind of a douche too. So. so yeah, and and I got the whole thing. I got the whole vibe from from Wizard and some of the other magazines, you know, about what the character was about, and and it's Valiant. It was early days of Valiant, so you know, you you kind of got a feel for someone else's series just in the pages of another Valiant book. But so I read this, and it's not. First of all, the art is absolutely gorgeous. It's it's Carrie Nord, who is, of course, we all know is is stunning, but. This time he's actually inked by um, Stefano Guariano, who who I usually see on uh, on Michael Lark, either on on Gotham Central or, or Daredevil. Um, but this was just the art here was was gorgeous, and the story though we were we're more they're they're giving us a lot more backstory on um, on Eric's days as as a uh, as a Visigoth as, as fighting the Romans uh, which is cool but it's it's suffering from what some of the new 52 books have been suffering from and we don't get we're not introduced to the star of, of the book of, of the title character in, in the first issue we, we do see the armor but that's about it and and I'm kind of on the fence as to whether or not I really want to keep reading it. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I thought the same thing about EXO. Like, I thought that, like... Make it three. This, what's that? Make it three. I'm thinking if it was a double-sized first issue, it might have been better. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, I was thinking about this exact the exact point you're bringing up in the context of, you know, it's totally... I could see where if I'm the writer listening to a criticism like this, I'm frustrated because I there's nothing inherently wrong with not having him in costume for the first act of a story. Sure. But where I struggle with that viewpoint, and again, I can't blame the writer for thinking that, but where I struggle is that this until they tell us otherwise, until they stop putting out single issues, this is a serialized story format Uh and so you know it's not sure if you're telling however many acts are in this first arc and you say to yourself well he'll be in the costume we know that well you know what yeah I guess so but this is different this is comics and this is an issue and each issue should satisfy on its own and I guess you know ultimately you know is it fair to if someone reads the trade and they judge it and they don't notice that's cool but here's the thing though in in today's market you don't really get a second chance. You right. really don't. So, yeah. like, it, it's it's it seems almost like um, uh, like a writer's vanity, or um, they don't really have the opportunity, frankly, unless they're a really established. Like Brian K. Vaughn could get away with an issue like this. You know what I mean? Like in the sense that people are going to give Brian K. Vaughn a benefit of the doubt. So if you don't see the hero or meet them or see them. Do, do their due in the first issue you're probably going to come back for the second one because you but have goodwill but this right. guy this guy you you if if all they're trying to do is get the people that bought exo back in the day to buy this okay maybe you don't it doesn't matter because we kind of know what we're about to get right we know he was a visigoth we know he's going to go in the suit okay but if you really are trying to theoretically entice new readers or at least people that maybe that are a little younger than us that weren't into valiant when it first came out it's 
it's poor decision. It really is. And and, and I, I'm not saying that like I don't want to come off like I'm ranting or I'm or that you are David, like that we're saying like right. epic fail. Like that's not like I it's a choice he made and, and I don't know that it's a wrong choice, but if the goal is to view this as a commercial property that's supposed to hook people in a business that we know it's really, really, really hard to hook people into properties that are new to them, then you gotta kinda think about that when you're putting this book together. You gotta see, think I'm, about I'm that. glad you mentioned Brian K. Vaughn because if you notice, the 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 title of his most recent comic is not focused on a single character. It's called Correct. Saga. It's called right? Saga. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so there there's no preconceived notions by the reader uh, as to who this book is about. It's the, the they might as well have called the book story. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So it's not explicit, but in a, in a book like Exo Manowar, yeah. where you know the title character right when you're going in, and to not have at least a glimpse of something to come, it's it's like it's not even a first act. It's like a quarter of a first act. Right. Right. Because the story's ongoing, and to get to point A to point B may take twenty five issues. Right. So so you're just getting a glimpse for three ninety nine. I was thinking as I was reading this thing. Peter David would have nailed this first issue Absolutely. because he he, oh, he would yeah. have given you enough gas in the tank to propel you through the low spots that he needed to get through in order for you to understand this character, give you a little bit of meat on the bone, and take you where he wanted you to go. This just seemed like I closed the back cover and I was like, "Wow, yeah, four I, bucks!" I mean, really? I, there were. There Art was great. You're right. Yeah, and and that that cute little um, not cute, but I mean, it, 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 inside the front cover, where where it basically broke down in in a nice little illustrated, uh, you know, the how the Romans, you know, accumulate. Or what's the status of a Roman and their wealth compared to a Visigoth, and 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 what what your status is and things like yeah. that. I mean, there, that was a nice little illustrative. You know, here, here's a quick little glimpse into their world, and then we got a, a, a neat story that could have been. A Conan the Barbarian type story told from a different point of view, and then right. and and then we get the aliens, and and of course you know we we the, those of us that that read Valiant back in the day were were, were familiar in, in air quotes with 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 the spider aliens, and it was um, but it was it was one of those things where I, on the forum I was kind of playing armchair editor, and I says you know what if we had hit the ground running, where you know we open and double page spread of of Eric in the armor taking care of business and then after the first arc is done after that first story in, in four or five issues or whatever is done then they hit us with the secret origin of how he got the armor i would have been I, yeah i'd be cool with that but on a stick to, to to just to right but i mean but but to to drag this out like like jason said you know it's like you you gave us however many pages and I got to the last page, and it's it's a it could be a cool cliffhanger, but I look at the front cover. I look at the the various covers that are available for this first issue, mm-hmm. and at no point do I see the the character as I expect to see him. Right, but and and it, you know maybe they're obviously they're banking on the fact that uh, of invoking the remnants of the valiant fan left in the marketplace that's who they're selling these books to because i i sincerely doubt that these books are going to bridge the gap and and manage to you you know draw a significant number of new readers people who have never encountered valiant before i i don't think that's the target audience so uh, 
is a lot of the groundwork maybe they're thinking is already done? I don't know. I'll, I, I just come coming out of the thing. I just thought it was slightly entertaining, but for four dollars, I'm not sticking with it. It just it, yeah. it kind it kind of sounds. I haven't read it, so I can't say one way or the other. But it kind of sounds like the concerns that you guys have about this are the concerns that I have about most mainstream comics in general. And I don't mean like that. I don't mean to say like, oh, mainstream comics they're garbage. I don't, I don't mean that at all. I think a lot of them are very good, but. It, it, it sounds like it's stuck in that sort of, well, better get it in a six-issue arc format to sell yeah. it on trade. Like yeah. that, right, exactly. What, I mean, that, that's, that's what it sounds yeah. like the root problem here is. It is. Well, I mean, the, the, mechanic, the mechanic of the industry is to get you to come back for not the issue you bought, but the next issue. But I think to, to Zach's point, and we've talked about this repeatedly, that's changed, though. The mechanic of the industry is not to get you yeah. to come back for the next arc. Yeah, like it's 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 like the whole like the 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 writers have been conditioned because that's what the market sort of dictated to them to expect. Mute. Oh, come back. Jason. Sorry, their job is to craft an. <laughs> their, sorry, their job is to craft an arc, and you'll come back for each arc if you like it. And you know, I guess if you look at the way sales are, maybe. But- if, they have no reason not to think that, but that's that's a frustration. You know? But if 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 the if the issues aren't selling, will the collection be available? Exactly. Well, that's where I think the big fallacy is, right? I mean, um, how many of these collected editions really sell? You know, I mean, I don't I don't know that that a lot of them really do sell all that much. So, I think that's yeah. a little bit of a fallacy the industry has to come to terms <laughs> yeah. with. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I it's just I mean, and and in some cases, you know what? Maybe it works. I I know that you know. The the man has, he's 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 built some some credit with a few of us. I mean, when you look at Scott Snyder and and the work he's done, American Vampire, Detective Comics, now Batman. But then 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 he he writes the Swamp Thing series. And how many months did it take before we actually? I mean, flashbacks and dream sequences. Yeah, that's cool and all. But how many issues did it take before Swamp Thing actually showed up in his comic? It's true. Yep. Seven, six. So I mean, it's it's. I mean, it, maybe it works for Swamp Thing because hey, it, one, it's Swamp Thing, but also it's Scott Snyder writing Swamp Thing. But I don't know if if EXO is 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 a book that you know has that faith with with this. And you know, I I I hope to be proven wrong. I hope that if it's collected, once it's collected, I, if if I revisit it in a few months after a few people have said, you know what, that first issue may have been a little bumpy. They were getting their feet wet or whatever, and, and you know it really kicks off after like the third or fourth issue. I, I might go back to it, you know, depending on what else I'm reading at the time. But it if I, I'm as as I'm reading EXO, I'm like, I think I'm kind of looking forward to Harbinger. I, I think I really want to read Archer and Armstrong, and 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 again, yeah. just like Valiant from back in the day. EXO could just be one of those books where, hey, Valiant puts it out, but it's not really one of my faves. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I, I hate to be the doomsayer, but I'm going to anyway. Unless the person funding this this revival has really deep pockets, I, I don't know. I, I uh, they, they have some great talent associated with these books, but I'll be do. really yeah, surprised. They, they yeah. if, if some of them reach 12, 16 issues, I, I'd be shocked. Mm. Because the buzz I'm hearing at the, at the at the shop, even from the owner, is he's going to order a cursory amount of of comics just to to fill his pre-orders and maybe a couple for the for the shelves. But he's not expecting uh, gangbusters out of this thing, and and okay. he has he hasn't really 
Uh, did he order enough to get the variant issues covers? Or oh, anything I'm, like that? I'm sure. Just, he, I'm sure he did. Yeah, okay. yeah. But uh, he's not expecting a, a huge cry for for modern Valiant books. Yeah. Maybe he'll be proven wrong. Hoping, you know, which you, Gar- maybe Garib's home is going to reopen a comic shop and they need you know to boost the back issue <laughs> sales. But the, I don't think we'll ever see that again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the as you know to to then go with the good that the the book yay from. Uh, I guess we'll call it like you know Deathmate 2.0 from Image, uh, the the book that I am still so gung ho about and and love reading each issue. And there was a fill in artist in a recent issue, and it still fit because the way it was done. I am still loving the hell out of Haunt by by Joe Casey and Nathan Fox. It is just God it is. Time. It is just I mean that goddamn time. I've been dude. It's been good since the beginning. Yeah, that's what you say, but you know, <laughs> you you know, you also live in Pennsylvania. So the thing is, it's like there's the the, the recent issue with the uh, with with a, with a quote fill-in artist. Yeah. It was a flashback story, and it was basically still Harvey Tubman's secret origin, and it was just so bizarre and and out there. But it it works, and it was such a cool little story it's the kind of story where i'd i could see a um a late night cable show as uh, airing that for like one of their half hour shows like 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 the hitchhiker or something like that it was just it was it was bizarre and and it was just but it it makes sense and it does fit in it 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 explains why harvey is here and and why he's dealing with with the brothers and and it just it just works and 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 um and Archie John, John Lucas, Lucas by the John, way yeah, yeah. The, John Lucas was the artist for that issue I mean Nathan Fox did the framing at, at the beginning of the pages and 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 the last couple pages but John Lucas does a fantastic job if you want to call it filling in for Nathan Fox it it was it was very um it was it was very compatible with with everything else that that uh that fox has been doing it's it's kind of like you know when you look at um american vampire and and the artists that that uh take over an arc after um albuquerque needs a breather it just it really did work and i just i still say it's been haunt has been sitting in my in your travels section of my notes for like the past few weeks but now i just want to just say to hell within your travels just i i am i am glad it's out there it's you know, if if I don't have Butcher Baker right now to read, then then I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so glad I, I have Haunt because it is one of those things where it just it takes my mind off of whatever the big two want to do, whatever kind of you know, like the EXO talk with with the business side of things and and why did they do that? I don't care. When I read Haunt, I just everything else just kind of just goes out of my head. I'm no. just soaked in absolutely i'm just i'm I'm absorbed and and those pages just grab me by the throat and i'm just i I, i'm along for the ride and i don't see or hear or care about anything else going on in the world wow here here those are strong words i i I really praise i dropped haunt like a bad habit i uh i need to come back to it because i do love nathan fox yes you you love casey too i do i do well, you'll revisit those early issues and find them works of brilliance. Well, I, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, did, I, I think I, I think I read well, like the first six or seven issues of it, and and I I didn't feel bad about no, it's haunt, and I didn't feel bad <laughs> about uh, about 
about leaving it behind. So, but once, God, once you guys are rough, man. No, dude, dude. See, because the thing is, I, I I read that back in the day when it was called Venom. So, it's, <laughs> oh it was, please, it's, yes, I was going to say, you know, yeah. so it's, it's yeah. all good. It's all good. Don't worry about it. I, hive mentality. I read, That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I read. I, I, I own. I own a fucking first printing of Torment. So don't tell me about so you know high high watermarks of Torment's career. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Torment. There's the spider again. There it is. <laughs> I hear the drums. Not the drums. By the way, not to go completely off kilter, but David, I know you watch Young Justice, right? Yes, dude. What was up with the Spider-Man guy that they in the one episode? Oh. Weeks ago, yeah, that was pretty funky, and that was um, that was like uh, Arrowette's that that was Arrowette and Arrowette's dad, that uh, that I guess he was trying to take out, but that was that was pretty cool. And I think somebody, someone clever on Twitter or, or on the forum said that, uh, hey, if I really want to see a cool Spider-Man, I just got to watch Injustice. But the oh, that's uh, true. I was going to say that's not not far off because Ultimate Spider-Man is uh, rough. Oh, really? You don't like it? Oh no, not at all. Oh, so you're with Daryl. I can't talk to you no more. All right, oh, that's, cool. that's cool. That's all. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really I'm enjoying I'm enjoying all the um. I, well, I mean, you can't call Thundercats part of the DC Nation block, but I mean, from when th- between Thundercats, Green Lantern, and then Young Justice, and then on Sundays with uh, Ultimate Spider-Man and Avengers, I I'm enjoying the hell out of my weekend cartoons. Dude, Legend of Korra. You gotta watch that. I keep hearing about this. Yeah, I, it's so good. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard about it either. Oh, I've heard of it, but I didn't know what it was about or where it falls into. And and yeah. a couple people on the forum were mentioning it to Jason. Yeah, it's the next next uh, chapter in the uh, the Avatar saga. Well, I, oh. I never watched any of that either. But yeah, I gotta. Uh, okay, oh. well. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar is so good. Yeah, the cartoon. Yes. Not, right. not, the no, not the movie, not, no. not, not, not the movie, and not the blue people like the like the legit hey. like the cartoon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not I love the blue people. I love yeah. them. Well, that's, that's, you, that's cool. And you won't be blue <laughs> if you head on over to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, because they will give you huge discounts on your favorite <laughs> funny books and collectibles, anywhere from thirty-five to seventy-five percent off monthly spotlighted specials wrapped up real tight. They even kiss the box as it goes out the door. Uh, UPS picks it up, delivers it right to your damn door. Come on, discount comic book service, DCBService.com, in your travels. Whoa, whoa dude! Why in such a rush? Be- because as it stands, we're at two hours. So I'm figuring we're going to pull it in at least another 20 minutes with this last section, right? David hadn't gone to an th- actual movie theater in like 14 years, and he actually went. All right, well, we can, we, can, we can run with that towards uh, the end here. And then crackly, but I, was, I, I didn't know. See, I don't know, if, if I, I don't know if Zach saw it, and I don't know if it was something that we wanted to wait for Chris to come back to talk about. Who? Well, oh! Yeah, I don't think, we, uh-huh. yeah, I don't think Chris doesn't get... I'm just looking. I'm just looking out for my buddy. Just like uh, if, one of, of what, if one of my other boys were out, I was just looking out for them. So, but again, if Zach saw it, we can talk about right, it. It's already gone over a billion dollars in sales. Yeah, so no, I no, no, no. I, no I, I, I saw it opening weekend, man. Exactly. Oh, all right, so you're cooler than I am. That's cool. Yeah. Well, that, that's we, we knew that already, but. <laughs> well, so, yeah. Well, look. Let, let's start with you, David, because you, you, for for those that don't know, you you do not for, go to the theater very often, and that's, well, that's the movie I saw. We saw in the theater. Was the first Iron Man movie? In yes, it's an eight 
So yeah, so it's and it's lovely. Been a- wife uh, uh, was keeping me informed of the fact that she had you all set up to take you on a Friday uh, after you had your big work uh, pro- possible promotion exam, and uh, and and she went. So you guys went to a, a matinee, right? So Wait, what did you she, think? She actually she she sucked me, but good because Friday was her birthday, and I thought we were going to. Um, I thought we were going to be doing other things. Uh, she she was talking about going to Ikea and, and a few other places. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought we were going to be doing things on her birthday. And the last thing I thought of, because we had, we, we had our peeps on, on Twitter and, and on the forum, oh, I can't wait for all four of you to finally see it. And, and David's probably not going to see it. Because you even said it at Wild Pig. You're like, you're not going to see it for like, what, six, seven, eight months? Because it's like, no, you're not going to see it until it's on Blu-ray. And I didn't... I. It was it was getting to the point where I was like maybe on a weekend I might go to the theater by myself just to see it so I can talk to my friends about it. But I had no idea that on her birthday she was going to surprise me with mm-hmm. tickets to see it. And especially because Friday was such a gorgeous day and I know she does not want to go into a movie theater for two hours and change on a nice day. Good woman. But she... Uh, Your love she disgusts did. me. She... she uh, I'm sorry. So, uh, <laughs> She and I, I swear to God, I do think she enjoyed it more than I did, and I loved it. And there is, there is, um, what I found funny was that of all the people who who needed a mask, it, Captain America, of course, gets we, we we lose his during one of the big battles. But the one person who should be wearing a mask. Or whose identity should be kept secret isn't, and and that's Black Widow since she's a spy. But she's she's all out there. That was the only part that I was kind of just giggling at a little bit. But I wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> Hold on. I mean, it's not like I mean, Black Widow has never worn a mask in the comics. Exactly, I know, but she's she's, she's still a spy. But she's not. How James she's, Bond doesn't wear masks. I. Yes, but no one really knows when when you're a spy. Now she has her face. Uh, if if when you get to the end and you have all the news stations, you know, talking about the Avengers and who they are and whatnot. But at the beginning of the movie, she's interrogating, you know, someone. She's not going to be able to pull that off anymore. But she's legit at the end. She's an Avenger. No, that, yeah. and that's fine. No, so I mean, if she's not going to be a spy for Shield anymore or anything, and that, then and that's cool. It was just it was one of those things where the whole world knows Iron Man is Tony Stark. Thor's not wearing a mask, obviously. Captain America, we kind of know who he is, even though, you know, the Hawkeye isn't wearing a mask, but, you know, who the no, cares? No one cares. <laughs> so, but it was, just, it was just the one person who's a spy. Her face is out there for everybody to see. I loved, I absolutely mm. loved. I, I, I so, I got a big kick out of the, uh, the little, if you want to call it an Easter egg, but that little scene from the third issue of uh, bringing it back to JMS, from his third issue of Thor, where, Iron, where, where Thor ripped off Iron Man's uh, mask, and they and and they kind of just kind of showed that when when Iron Man landed in the city and and he couldn't breathe and, and Thor had to rip off the uh, the face part of his helmet, but the whole movie from from start to finish, I could not be happier. I was just absolutely, I, I was sucked in from from jump i didn't even even as i'm not one of the people who find scarlett johansson to be one of the most gorgeous women in the world, and that's fine i know and that's you know but i had i had no problem with her in this movie i had no problem with with jeremy renner in this movie as hawkeye i i had no problem with anything my 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 favorite parts were the um 
were the parts that uh, that just that I think everybody loved. Whether it was you know Hulk sucker punching Thor, Hulk using Loki as a ragdoll, it didn't it it everything about it. I, it had moments where I I laughed. I it, it it had me going up and down, depending on you know whatever the story called for, whatever the reactions were supposed to be. I was there. At no point did I scoff. At no point did I say, "Oh, that's bullshit." Or it was just I start to finish. I I, I was in it for the long haul. That is hear- great to hear because I was nervous about you. I really especially be- well because number one because you don't go to the theater a lot, and so okay. t- and two. I know you're you're not typically a fan of ScarJo or Renner, and and they played huge huge parts in the movie. So I I, I was like, oh, I don't like I just didn't know, you know, like I didn't know if they would rub you the wrong way. But uh, what's interesting is it seems like um, I mean I I'll, I think you're very much the minority as terms of what you think of ScarJo uh, in terms of her looks, but I don't think you're as much the minority. I know lots of people don't necessarily think she's the best actress. So I find it fascinating that one of the things I keep seeing in all these like uh, discussion threads is how much people enjoyed her in the role. So um, like I've always thought she was a fine actress, so I didn't like, it didn't really strike me one way or the other, but I'm, I'm, it's interesting to me that uh, she seemed to have resonated with so many people. Um, So uh, Renner, on the other hand, like I, he's, he's sort of becoming the, uh, it's, the action version of um of of uh, Michael Sarah like he he's just the same guy. <laughs> he kind of uh, it's it's it, and well, I mean with I I did I did chuckle like I mean the same thing when they released the trailer and and you had all the big guns all posed ready to take on the aliens and there she is you know gl- putting her, uh, her her Glock ready and, and cocking that. Well, you know what though I'm glad you bring that up because I was thinking about that in the context of that scene and how it did look silly. Like in the previews, but then what else are they gonna do? right. But then, as comic book readers, like we've accepted that forever, right? Like the, the team books have always had that. They've had like godlike people right next to humans, like Batman and Superman, right? Like it's it's like we've accepted that in in the comics world, a human like Batman can coexist with a god like Superman, you know, and that's perfectly rational. And so, I thought it, it was it gonna was it gonna seem hard to handle or believe in in a film and it really wasn't because even though in the context of the coming attraction or the preview it seemed kind of silly in the pacing of the movie it really fit she was kicking ass like she was at that one one moment like they were kind of like sort of regrouping but but there was nothing during the action scenes to make you think that she didn't belong on on the point she wasn't trying to take she wasn't trying to take out the giant flying space monster like the Hulk did she was taking on you know foot foot soldiers which is what she should have been doing you know so um I love the freaking movie so much man I've seen oh, it twice I just, already yeah no uh, we, <laughs> I, mean, I know I I think we, it, our, our friend still needs to see it so there is a possibility where we will actually go again to see it but I know I know we're gonna own it when it comes out on blu-ray it does I I knew I wanted to see Thor and Captain America this movie just makes me want to see them sooner cool um the uh there there were um i when it comes to you know scarjo was in in this movie was fine when i when i finished this actually um last weekend i finally watched i don't know what possessed me to buy it but i did buy mission impossible ghost protocol and normally we don't we we've stopped buying blu-rays or dvds of movies we haven't seen but i bought this one on a whim and and I figured, all right, let, let me finally see it. And I, I watched it, and I had no problem with Renner in this movie either. So he he has. I, I guess I'm I'm kind of just 
turn it around on the guy. So uh, I really did. I, I thought that um, that Hawkeye's quiver was was a nice touch because I Me mean, when, as you go and you read old issues of World's Finest or even you know the Hawkeye miniseries and things like that, and you wonder about the boxing glove arrow and and you know how the hell do all these things fit? But I mean, when you have the quiver, have to actually, I guess, arm the arrow. And and it just it makes sense. And there wasn't anything. There were certain lines where 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 like when when um, Thor tells Banner to, to you know basically watch your tongue because Loki's still my brother. He's still from Asgard. And and when they explain how he you know killed eighty people and then you know Thor's just return is well he's adopted. And I mean every little part. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't hear. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of Buffy. I'm a fan of Joss Whedon. I love Firefly. So mm-hmm. I'm not one of the people who were like, "Oh, I could so hear Joss Whedon in every little bit." I didn't. I, none of that. None of that mattered to me. I just I enjoyed it. Like I was talking about with Flex Metallo last week. I read those four issues in those in between those covers. That's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed this movie for what it was, and mm-hmm. I have absolutely what, no complaints about it. What did you guys all think of the Hulk? Because to me, that was the pleasant surprise of the film, and that. You know, we we pretty much knew all these characters, the, all the actors that were in this movie. We saw in the, their other respective movies, so we knew what to expect. And then, obviously, Mark Ruffalo was new to the Hulk, and and I also was a little curious as to how they were going to fit the I, Hulk back into the dynamic. And and I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, I, I would I watch too. a Mark Ruffalo Hulk movie in two seconds. I mean, I I, I, I would. I he he was fantastic. I I mean, and you're, I am one of the few people who do enjoy both Hulk movies. And I, I thought Ruffalo made a fantastic banner. I really did appreciate the nod to the Ed Norton Hulk movie uh, when he said he destroyed Harlem last time he hulked out, and and it was it was just it it fit. And you know, I, I had people at work. I mean, the, the the two guys that worked with me, one dude saw it opening weekend, the other guy saw it. Actually, he saw it last night. He saw it Tuesday night, and. So we've been all been able to talk about it, and I, I have other coworkers who, you know, they weren't familiar with with Hawkeye, and to some degree, Black Widow. I had to remind them that you know we saw Black Widow on Iron Man too, and I I don't know if if her or Fury showed up in in, a, in Thor or Captain America, but I um you know I people were very happy to know at work that that I finally did see the movie and because it, I mean I have people that are still giving me dirty looks that I haven't seen Thor or Captain America yet but <laughs> it was um you know I the, the people who aren't familiar with the characters that I know that you know have seen the movie just they I I really haven't seen anybody who sees who goes to the movies or, or goes to enjoy movies nobody that I talk to on a regular basis that I interact with has anything bad to say about it. Have any, have the only questions they have are, you know, like who are these characters or what have they done? And, and, but otherwise no one's ever said how, how, you know, the movie was too long or it was boring or, or this person just wouldn't shut up. Nobody, everything just really kind of fit. It just really worked really well. What did you do? Jim Oaks think? I adored it. I absolutely loved it. And, um, this might sound silly to some people, but I found myself choking up sometimes because it was. Aww. Uh, well, and part part of it was because like this. It was part of it was because it was exactly what I wanted. But the main the main reason I was is because uh, we took our two little girls, and they because Daddy likes comics, they like comics. Mm-hmm. So like 
experiencing it with them. And then that there's that scene where they're all like, where they pan around and it's like the group of them like waiting for the aliens or whatever. Like, like the expressions on their faces were just so like priceless. Dude, I'm right there with you. That exact scene, I, I, I felt myself getting a little verklempt because yeah. like you said, it was, for me, it was that, that scene epitomized to me because you know, the Avengers is my, my team and it was like, this was it. I was actually seeing a, like it, on film something that I never thought I'd see on film, at least not done well. And it was like, that was it. It really was happening. Like, yeah, it, it, it yeah. felt so real, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, no, I, I totally felt myself getting like a little choked up at that. And then like, I look over and my, and my two girls are like, daddy, look at this. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> right. And like, they're looking at me like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. It's okay. <laughs> and it, uh, that, and then um, I won't spoil it for folks who maybe haven't seen it, but the, the, the scene after the first credits, like when I, when my three and six year old look at me and go, is that, you know, so-and-so mm-hmm. and I go, yes, it is. And the fact that they know who so-and-so uh, is. I was going to say, like, did they know, see, awesome. mine knew it too. And they knew it because of, uh, well, I guess I, I would give it away if I say why they know it, but they yeah. knew it from a certain comic that they read that wasn't, it was an all ages kid friendly comic, but yeah. Yeah. Mine, okay. that, that's, that's who mine knew it from too. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And, cool. and they were just all over and they're like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Reaching out, we're reaching over my wife, like high fiving. <laughs> like my wife's like, nice. okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's like, I don't, I don't get it. I'm like, I'll explain it to you later, and then I explain it later. She's like, oh, neat. But it even made the uh, the, the Lego sets more sense, make more sense to me because I had com- been complaining on our forum about the uh, what I thought the Marvel superhero Lego sets were a little cheesy, and that it seemed like they almost had like random things like the Loki set came with a Jeep, and you know the it was, and I was kind of like, oh, this is just like Le- Lego trying to sell fancy Marvel minifigures with, with nothing else behind it. Like it's, it's not like a Star Wars or Harry Potter set where the vehicles are so distinctive or the place is so distinctive. But then after seeing the movie, I mean, while admittedly a Jeep isn't all that distinctive, it, it fits now with, with the yeah. film. Like it's, it's, you know, that's a big scene in the movie. So, yeah. okay, so it, it's, it, it just makes more sense. It makes me actually want to buy the sets now more than I did before. So, um, yeah, that's well done. But Vince, uh, did you, you liked it, right? Yeah, I thought it was tons of fun. I, I thought the uh, putting myself in the driver's seat, I would have done the assemble part a little bit differently. I would have made it a little bit more interesting, like maybe show Thor taking out the wrecking crew or something, like uh, the, not the mundane shield stuff. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe Cap taking out AIM guys or Hydra guys. Just more action because y- you got to admit, it was a long stretch. A lot of the movie was, I mean, it's not overly long, but it takes a long time to get the band together. Yeah, well, what I said after seeing it the second time is that uh, I think what makes the movie a great movie is the third act. Oh, you yeah. Know, I, I think before, yeah. The, before the third act, it's, it's, it could definitely be perceived as slow in parts. Um, I mean, I still would have enjoyed it because of the subject matter and it was well executed, but I definitely know what you're saying. But that third act is literally 30, 40 minutes of, of nonstop adventure and, and action, and that that goes a long way to making you forget that the beginning's a little slow. You know? yeah, I'm, I had to tip my hat to the whoever it was on the forum that mentioned that uh, compared it to Transformers Three. It's it's pretty close. I mean, the 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 two films operate very much on the same uh, wavelength. They they have n- not slow uh, build up, but I mean, it, it does take a long time to get where it's going. But once that last act kicks off, it, it's gold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fun movie. I thought it was really good. It was awesome. 
It really was. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to get lots more because <laughs> it's already made a billion bucks. So. Yeah. It's a lot of damn money. I mean, do you do you want to be that dude at, at Warner's who said that uh, no to Joss Whedon directing Wonder Woman? Dude, I was thinking of that. I was thinking, <laughs> like, do you want to have anything to do with Warner Pictures right now? Like, like the chairman of Time Warner is probably, like, throwing, like, having them tied to the wall, and he's throwing knives at them. Like, I mean... <laughs> I don't think it would have mattered. But, dude, like, they screwed up Green Lantern, and now like, the, the whole thing is, you know, yeah. Nolan's about to make a boatload on this Batman, but then that's it for him. He's done, so it's back to the drawing board there, and it's like... I mean, Marvel is crushing it. You know, I mean, Kevin, there's a lot of rumors, by the way, that Kevin Feig is, is about to be named the head of Disney. You know, like, the, the, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, wow. I mean, and, and this with the, and that was before Marvel, the Avengers came out. So, I mean, now that it's on its way to being like a billion and a half dollar movie, I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, like, I think, I mean, Marvel's about to be running Disney, dude. Like, they, they're, they're teaching them how it's done. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think uh, Wonder Woman would have been a really hard sell. It wouldn't have mattered. Uh, Avengers is an ensemble cast of some of the greatest superheroes ever created, and Wonder Woman. By Jack Kirby. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I, it could have been. Accurate. It could have been literally anything at at Warner save Batman, and I don't think it would have done well. See, I, you you said that the last time we talked about these movies when Green Lantern was coming out. I just don't believe that at all. Like, what makes Wonder Woman or Green Lantern less distinctive to the average moviegoer than Thor or Iron Man. But there's more potential when you have not one but five superheroes in the movie. Right, so you make a Justice League movie. They right, but, the exact and, same and formula. Thing, I mean, you couldn't you can have Avengers unless right. you had two good Iron Man movies, and then you know they, they just kept going with that. I mean, and that's I mean, the thing. This right, this but movie, the okay, this movie so is doing the way, but way better than than. No. I mean, all those other Marvel movies were successful, but but they it's weren't. an ensemble it's, cast. Iron Man was Iron Man and a couple other people. Whereas Wonder Woman could have been the same thing. They did a lot of money with Iron Man, right? But yeah. there's way more potential in an Avengers movie than there is. Right, in, but that's in, what we're saying is that, right, that, that is that you could have done Wonder Woman and you could have done a Green Lantern movie that would have actually been good. You could have done a Superman movie, which they're doing. You could do, and you could put them all together into a Justice League movie. That would be huge. Right, but that's a stepping stone, right? What sure. you're saying is produce the Wonder Woman Wonder Woman movie, get it out there, use her for the eventual Justice League movie. Well, but Who's to David's the- point, though, again, if it, like, why would you think Just Whedon couldn't do a good Wonder Woman movie? I mean, uh, I mean, John because Favreau, the raw material's could, not there. What are they going to do? Zeus, who had directed Elf. I mean, directed. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, yeah. You know, I, I mean, mean with, like with Robert Downey Jr., who I mean, even, yeah. even in, in the recent in the recent Esquire, he was like there was a 17 year gap between like Chaplin and Iron Man, where he Under- was just like he didn't know. I, what he I was understand doing. where you're going I'm with this, but I'm mind, I'm like, saying as characters, be- what the hell do you do with Wonder Woman? Okay, my, but but she's but, a giant, okay, but first of all, it's right, and it's Wonder Woman. People know Wonder Woman. I had my boss when Iron Man first came out. No, when my when Iron Man first came out, my boss was like. Who the hell's Iron Man? He, yeah, he doesn't know. So it's so Wonder Woman is an Iron Man. Yes, thank you. But but you have this element of mythology to Wonder Woman. You got that's that's a really hard sell. Iron it's Man. No, no, no. But see, that's the thing. You, uh, you, it's an it's an ensemble cast. It's not just not Wonder Woman. About, Wonder Woman has no, to sell the movie. And, and what we're saying, Vince, is Thor sold the movie. Thor had a movie. It sold. It did great. Thor sold a movie that, after that Iron was... Man, after Iron Man, and Ka- and and the other Marvel movies hit big. That's how so- Thor sold the movie because they are, are they generated like that audience based on previous movies. Wonder Woman is is a, a new but entity. Again, we we've, we've had Batman do a billion. Do- Last Dark Knight did a billion. Well, if they tied Wonder Woman to Batman, then yeah, well, somehow. 
I'm just saying, I, obviously. The only tie Thor had to Iron Man was that you had Agent Show. <laughs> but by that time, Marvel had Marvel had generated the brand, the name, and with, that's with two why we're successful that movies. Warner has screwed up because they had the exact same opportunity. Well, maybe if Green Lantern didn't suck ass. That's right. That's right. That's what we're exactly. saying. And that's exactly what we're saying. But I still think. I still think as a as a character, as a as a, a property, Wonder Woman is. A way more hard sell than than you could than Iron Man, Thor, all of them. I don't see it, that at all. No, I don't know, a, dude, because Wonder Woman's pretty good on Young Justice. Wonder Girl is hilarious in those animated shorts, which are not the same thing. I know they are not the same thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Wonder Woman's better known to the to the public than Iron Man or Thor or Captain America were. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's definitely way better known, especially because of yeah. the TV show. But yes. see, she, what TV show? The one that was on in the seventies. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. People remember that. They know who she is. My dad knew who Wonder Woman was. He didn't know who Iron Man was. But, well, in even just a, a, from like a feature length movie thing, I mean, I know it's different because it's animation, but the Wonder Woman movie that came out, like the direct to DVD thing, was actually really good, I thought. That's yeah, why I, 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 I really do. I don't. Well, because Nathan Fillion was part of it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it was the Fillion factor. That's what it was. <laughs> don't front on Fillion, dude. Castle's a dick. I am not, dude. <laughs> is the man, but that was that was a good movie though. I, I actually I I went into that one thinking like, oh man, I'm not gonna care for this at all. And I I just bought it for you know, straight up just bought it for my kids. But like, I ended up really really liking that. I Time thought, I thought that gotta was be really dying good. right now though, dude. Like they gotta be dying. I mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> like, the last Batman for how long? Oh. <laughs> but oh, wait, man. but Superman comes out next summer, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, yeah, you you guys saw the the. Uh, Action shots from the Wonder Woman. What was it? A pilot? Or was it? no? I didn't. I, I refused to. Action. Oh, they're fr- yeah. they're freaking horrible. I mean, they they just don't What's know that? what they're doing. Somebody well, yeah, there does that. not know what they're doing. I think that's I, what we're saying. You know, you know what? You know what? A highlight actually. Uh, a highlight came about even before the movie started, and when they showed the trailer for the Amazing Spider-Man, Renee turned to me and said, "I would go see that. Yeah. Have a good time." Oh, for which, David? For Spider-Man? For, for Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. We yeah. got it. Got we got to the end of the trailer, and she goes, "I would, I would go see that." And she goes, uh, "It's Gwen, I, it's Gwen Stacy. It's not Big Head playing Spider-Man. It's I love Emma, she, Emma Stone." So uh, no, and and if I, I I keep replaying the 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 part where he goes up to the uh, to the car thief on from the trailer, and and she giggles. So I mean, it's I I'm looking forward to that. That that wow. should be, that should just be because it's. It's different. I mean, it's just I. It, it's it's the equivalent, I think, of of what Nolan did to the Batman franchise after Burton and Schumacher did their thing with it. It's just, I mean, maybe it's too soon, but I think I think this will be it. It's, it'll be a nice change of pace after Raimi's movies, which I again I, um, I understand. Yeah. From, so, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Pack. Actually, I'm I'm I I was very ambivalent to the Spider-Man movie is when they announced it and stuff, but. Uh, but it's definitely grown on me. I'm definitely interested in seeing it. And I feel like it's been long enough since I've enjoyed a Spider-Man movie that it, it'll be cool. Like, because I really didn't care for the third one, so it's it's okay. been a good good chunk of years since I saw one I enjoyed. So, see, I I think I'm passing on it. Yeah. I I saw the trailer and I was like, eh, I don't really give a shit about Peter Parker's parents. Not nothing about the trailer appealed to me. <laughs> like my view is it's it's really hard to screw these movies up. Like in the sense of yeah. like if you screw them up, they should make like. 
three, four hundred million worldwide. You know what I mean? And <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, I mean, it, I mean it. Like that's that's the kind of it's kind of set up for it to do that, right? You they they have the prime slots, they have all the marketing dollars, they have some brand recognition. Superhero movies are clearly still in vogue. So like that's why I mean I know we joked about it a few weeks ago, but the Green Lantern movie is unbelievably bad. Like it's it's serious. Yeah. Like it, it really. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 startlingly bad. Like, I don't know. You you wonder when that happens. Like, there's, how how many there, mistakes? There was a point made. though in in the promotion where you could tell it was going to suck ass. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yes, yeah. but yeah. it was just oh my god! You just you you. It's not even like one of those. A- I can't turn away. Can I tell you something? If Sorry. speaking of that, if it wasn't for the goodwill that Nolan built up in these first two Batman movies, I would be petrified of this coming movie. Why? I think the previews and the way Bane looks and stuff would scare me to death. Yeah, I'm yeah. not too crazy about Bane. If I didn't yet, have but... the first two movies to, to know that this is going to be quality because of the other two, I would think this movie had a high, high, high suck factor. But, but I'm, I mean, I'm not expecting it to because, again, I, I know that the other two are awesome. But I'm saying, like, based solely on, like, the trailers and what I've seen of the characters, I'd be like, nah, son. <laughs> wow. I, uh, I, I, uh, I... As, as, well, uh, no, I'm not gonna go back to Green Lantern. No, I just I was gonna. No, it's not even worth it. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, it's. I I know exactly what Jason's saying on uh, with the whole you know DC because they Superman Returns. I you know I'm gonna forget yeah. about that and it's I'm crap. Saying, yeah, it's it Sage, is. don't sugarcoat so, it. It's it crap. Is, it is. It, it's 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 as bad as as Green Lantern and and it's just it's one of those things where if it wasn't very for handsome Batman, guy though. I, he is. He's pretty good. He's pretty easy yeah. on the eyes. But it's it's it. If it wasn't for Batman, I don't. Warner Brothers has mm-hmm. nobody else. I mean, Aquaman, Flash. I mean, well, what else you know are what? they going to do? You got to give credit to Avi Arad and then Kevin Feige, Feige who took over because, you know, I guess if you're going to criticize the Marvel movies, some would say that they're they've been a little formulaic, you know. But oh, but but I think that that's the key though. Like again, if you're and I'm saying like from a from a building a brand and wanting people like the average person that doesn't read comic books or watch cartoons to go see these, there's there's comfort in that. Like like yeah. if if a formula it's it's there's truth to it. if it ain't broke don't fix it. And so I mean each film was directed by a different person. I mean look I mean Kenneth Branagh and 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 John yeah. Favreau are about as far afield from each other in what they had done <laughs> as you can get right. But but like there the this is a case where the suits if you will made sure that no matter who they had helming these films that while not at the expense of these guys vision for the films they made sure that there were elements within them that were familiar and cohesive and i got to believe that's not the easiest thing to do right because it's a creative medium and you know they're talking about big dollar budgets here and each person's going to do it his own way so credit to them for doing that cuz i think that's where you're DC's Time Warner's going to need to do if they're going to make this work, right? They have to, and and in a way they've kind of put themselves in a tough spot because, for as great as the Batman films have been, they're flukes. You you can't remember when the 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 first Bat, Nolan Batman was a success. You started hearing from all their suits, oh, we're going to take what we learned from that. We're going to make these these other characters darker too. You can't do that, right? Like that's no. the problem. Like Batman's a little different. Like Batman is dark. Like but. He's not a tried and true superhero in that he's out in the sunlight. So it's hard to take the recipe, if you will, of those films and convey that into the other DC characters. Whereas Iron Man, Cap, and Thor, they're all different, but they're all, at the end of the day, overt alpha heroes. You know, I mean, they're Save. going in and saving the day. 
I, I, I think that's a difference between a movie that's made by a company that produces comics like like Marvel did, not before mm-hmm. they were owned by DC, and a company that just produces movies. I mean, compare yeah. compare compare the compare Iron Man to Wolverine. Like, yeah, that's a great point. And that's yeah. and and that's, it's when when Jason was talking about how you know this they're still in vogue. How many people were, were saying you know there was a death knell coming after after X three after Wolverine after the third Spider Man movie? I mean, people were like, I think I think the movies are done because we we had Superman, we had Green Lantern, we had we had, we had a, a lot of crap in a row. Yeah, and and obviously, if it's done right, it's going to be good. People will see it. People will enjoy it, and and people want to see it. How many people have seen it multiple times already? See, and and I think that's I think that's just sort of a testament to the medium and like the the way stories are told themselves. Like people, I mean, the the truer not not that I'm like some sort of like person like oh it must be exactly like the comic. You know, I don't I don't really mm-hmm, give a mm-hmm. shit. I just want you to tell me a good story. But the truer it feels to the way that. It, it that the 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 truer it is to the way the comic books feel, then the, it seems like the more success these things have. If you start, if you get too far off track, and you think you're very clever and that you know better right, than the guys right. that created this character, you're done fucked up. I think that's <laughs> that's exactly it, Zach. Because I think people sometimes get confused with, oh, that's not my. But when we say that, at least I, I, when I like, it's not that I don't care that they made Black Widow's origin different in the movie that she's now was rescued by Hawkeye as a teenager and became, you know like that doesn't that's not what's important what's important is that they got her right the, the, the essence of her which is that she is a human and just a, a quote unquote regular human but she's unbelievably connected she's unbelievably good fighter she's very savvy she uses her feminine wiles to get guys to tell her stuff that other people wouldn't like that's Black Widow like the the background doesn't have to be like oh that's not how she was that's not her origin yeah, like that's matter. not what's important it's that they're showing me the same woman that I read in comics like it's the same essence you know and that's yep that's the important thing the essence you know <laughs> and the booty yes. yes well that didn't hurt and of course and I mean they didn't they didn't shy away from showing her in that booty in that, mm. that bodysuit that that was, that was not something to complain about I was totally not fine at all with that. yeah me too. <laughs> In, in in IMAX, it's tremendous. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Okay, do we right, now do we well, your tra- so now we can do your trials? Right, yeah. So you had yours. Um, I didn't do mine yet. He yeah. didn't. He was about to. Oh, my bad. My bad. Sorry. No, you can go first, and I'll go. Oh I'll go no, dude, no, no, no! Don't, don't fuck with the formula. Seriously. All right, in your travels, I'm gonna keep it uh, on theme, so to speak. Uh, Go out and get the eighth issue of Dark Horse's Creepy because it is the closest approximation to date of what Creepy was. Uh, It starts off with a story called 19 by Jeff Parker and Colleen Coover that at a very quick glance, you almost got to get an Alex Toth style feel to the art, Mm -hmm. which is very appropriate. Doug Munch and Kelly Jones have a story and it's uh the first part of a lurking fate that came to lovecraft part one so there's there's the connection to the theme uh rick geary has something in here dan braun and kyle baker and the issues capped off with a reprint of one of the most notorious of all the warren stories ever 
written by Bruce Jones, drawn by Bernie Wrightson. It's Jennifer. Remember the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dario Argento, Masters of Horror, the Notorious adaptation? Well, remember, it was in that collection I talked about, the Wrightson the collection. Right. So you yeah. get the Jennifer story and a bunch of new stuff. It's an awesome issue. It's, uh, what, four ninety nine, and it has it's capped off by a Richard Corbin cover and a, an introduction by Cousin Erie, because Erie's going to be coming very soon, and Erie's a dollar. must be two do- Erie's $2 less. It's uh, two nice. ninety nine, and David Lapham is going to be uh, producing. Yeah, I'm really intrigued season. by that. Is he yeah. doing all of them? I don't. Well, I'm thinking it's gonna, they're going to stick with the anthology format, so they'll probably that, let somebody do, you know, the first couple issues, and somebody else will jump in. I don't know. That's kind of what I was wondering too, because I was intrigued by that. I, I want it, but you know, I, and for as much as I love Latham, like I love the creepy and eerie form. I love the anthology format that much more than that. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wanted to change it up. I want I want Richard Corbin to pop in occasionally. Hell yeah! So yeah. just just to say hi. You know, say once hi. Rage once once Rage Moore is done, please come in and say hi and eerie and creepy. So yeah, and uh, Kyle Baker does the loathsome lore featurette that's like it's two pages does not look like the traditional kyle baker rendering there is not a computer in sight on this thing nice. it's, all, it's, it's all it's all hand drawn and nice. uh it focuses on music so you get tony iomi and and black sabbath ozzy's in here marilyn manson the misfits uh the cramps kiss sushi and the banshees it's nuts uh Mar- yeah i said marilyn manson but uh, no, it's a really solid issue, and it it really did. Did you say sushi and the banshees? <laughs> sushi, Su- yeah. Susie. I want to say sushi, because right. that's how I've always said it. I know it's wrong, but that's how right, I say that's it. Cool. All right, just checking. Whatever. It's all yeah. good. You do you. Oh, good. Hey, jinx. High five. And yeah. there's a, Der- a Derek I Robertson, uh, Uncle Creepy, uh, frontispiece. That's not all that great. So disregard <laughs> that, and you get a really <laughs> solid issue. Woo! That's, that's, Woo! Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to say if you did see Avengers, if you are unfamiliar with some of the Avengers history from, from, uh, from back in the day, go and get yourself back issue number 56. Mm-hmm. Oh, snap. Oh, this snap. has an awesome looking uh, George Perez cover, but you have inside. It, it's it's all Avengers all the time. Um, I'm currently reading the article where uh, Roger Stern talks about his turn with the Avengers in the '80s and uh, and how he came to be on the book and and his the introduction of uh, the Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel. Uh, it is there's, there's an article on what right? No, yeah, not, yeah, not that Captain Marvel. Uh, there's uh, she's not Shazam. There's a Article right. on uh, Wonder Man. There is a. Uh, there's there's just. I mean, they they talk about action figures. They talk about Mockingbird. There's an article on Hawkeye. It's just. It's all Avengers all the time, and and I'm really enjoying it. And like I said, I'm it's all I'm, color too, right? There are there are some pages that are color, yes, and and yeah, not not just the the black and white. I, I believe. Well, I'm I'm reading the. Uh, I get the PDF version. Right. So, um, it's uh, but there are there are some pretty snazzy little color pages and there's a neat little collage of all the um, Avengers 
that were in live action over the years, like the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man, like the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury, <laughs> like the nice. uh, oh, like boy. the, uh, the Red Brown Captain America. So yeah, there's there's a nice little collage that someone put together. But <laughs> it's it's back issue for tomorrow's is always good stuff. And I mean, over the years they they've had some fantastic spotlights on. Um, certain eras or gimmicks or, or teams and, and uh, or genres, but th- this one on the Avengers is a lot of fun because I, as far as the articles I'm reading, I was actually you know, reading or picking up these issues as they were happening, so it's, it's like old home week in that regard. Yeah. And if you get the digital version, it's extremely cheap. What is it, like yes. ninety five or something for the digital? It's crazy how cheap it is. It is, yeah. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Tomorrow's publishing. Yes. Awesome. Um, in your travels, uh, I, as you, as listeners know, David and I were at uh, Wild Pig, and we got pretty much every free comic book day comic that uh, was available. And um, one really, really uh, hit me, and that was um, by Third World Studios, Finding Gossamer. Uh, it's written by David Rodriguez and illustrated by Sarah Ellerton. Neither of which I was familiar with until this, but um, the art style is very much evocative of, uh, I would say, like a Pixar film. I mean, it's um, it, it's uh, it's it's very very animated, but beautiful, and and it looks like she does everything digitally and she colors it and everything herself. So it's I really really enjoyed the uh, the uh, the art, but it's a it's a it's a wonderful intro story. It's about a boy named Denny who. Um, his sister basically hands him off to a academy because she doesn't want to have to. I, I, it, it leads you to believe she's his guardian, but she's young and she doesn't want to have to deal with him. So um, she hands him off, and, and uh, basically, he's a savant. He he doesn't he's he's normal, if not uh, like incapable in a lot of ways. But when he is presented with uh, with really complex mathematical equations, he can solve them, and the reason he's able to solve them is because when he sees the equation it takes him into basically another world like and and you don't know if it's i mean i'm presuming it's it's his mind but he goes within his mind and the equation becomes like a fantasy realm where um he's a character in this big adventure and when he solves the adventure he sort of comes back to and the the equation is solved and uh it was an awesome idea i mean i've never seen anything like it in comics and it was really well executed and uh, it's a preview, but you know, it's, it's the FCB is to preview the the uh, series, which is coming out in July. So be on the lookout. I guess it'll be in next month's previews, uh, I would imagine. But it's called Finding Gossamer, and uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, be looking for it. Oh boy! Uh, and then I guess for me, in your travels, uh, I've talked about this uh, book extensively, I guess, on me and Ben's show. But I I can't help but um, he, you know, sing its praises everywhere I go, and that's because I think everyone should read it. And it is Harvey Pekar's Cleveland. Uh, I was going to say you guys uh, were very, you did a very touching tribute to Harvey on your last episode. So. Yeah, uh, I, I adore Harvey Pekar, and um, this is beautifully drawn and rendered by Joseph Remnant, um, and it's just this amazing kind of goodbye for Harvey. And I, I, whether he realized it or not, I think he's eulogizing himself here. And um, it's just a beautiful book. And for anybody who has a, a spot in their heart for Harvey Pekar's work, um, or, or even ever just considered it, like run out and like get this book and read it and cherish it and adore it because it's a, I think it's a really important piece. And 
Um, to me, I think Harvey is one of the most important authors of the 20th and 21st century. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say that, I don't know that it's fair to say he's one of the greatest, but I think he's certainly one of the most important for his perspective and the way that he looked at the world and um, presented it in his comics for, you know, 40, almost 40 years. So um, please, please, please read Harvey B. Cars Cleveland. And uh, Chris Staros and Top Shelf did a wonderful job of packaging this thing and making it feel right. So um, I hope that everybody... Truth. And it's, it, it is also available uh, via Comixology through Top Shelf. Yeah, it's available digitally, too. Um, for me, I feel like this is something I have to have in my hand because it feels truer to Harvey to hold nice. it, you know? Yeah. But, um, but I don't care how you read it, just read it because I, I, I think it's an important piece and I think um, Harvey's an, an important and great figure in, in comics. So Nice. And, and Zach's being modest, but if you'd like to hear a much more detailed... Uh, review of the book uh, with he and Ben. It's uh, the Distinguished Comic Book Podcast, and it's uh, episode thirty-three. Yeah, it's the last one we did. So, the Jesus episode. Is that the Jesus episode thirty-three? Oh, oh, because Jesus. Okay, I get it. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. that guy, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that, that rascal, that, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that Jew. Oh, he, he's yeah. always causing trouble for people with stuff. Seriously, everywhere. <laughs> You know, you know. If I'd have known it was that kind of party, I would have turned this water into wine and give you some fish too. You, you tell a guy to wait in a tomb for three, for four days, and you just can't be patient. He's got to get out. Like I don't. They, don't, what, don't they always tell you when you're when you're someplace you don't know where you are, you just stay put. Yeah, that's exactly it. Don't just wander. Ch- just so all, all of the goodwill that Zach built up with the, the loving tribute to Harvey Pico has now been squandered. It's okay. He, hey, listen, my, my beliefs are no secret, and I don't care about anybody else's, and I don't, you know, I'm not out to hurt anybody's feelings, but, you know, I, I am who I am, so. We love you for it. Speaking of, uh, of uh, yeah. creepy, creepy Jeebus believers, uh, Brian Chippendale slayed me today, with, which is a, a two-word tweet. Um, he just tweeted Mitt Romulan. <laughs> I love it. And, and, you, and you, if you know Chippendale, he just—he's—he's he's got a very weird sense of humor. Read his comics, and you'll be able to pick up on that. And just uh, Mitt Romulan. And, and I told him, I said, "Thank you for pulling my day out of the shitter." And he said, "I'm surprised no one else has come up with that. It seems so obvious." <laughs> you know, maybe you. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Zach. Yeah. Thank you, guys. You made my day. Oh, boy. Rumor has it we'll be, quote, unquote, back to normal next week, so. Oh. Ah. How about that? So. The walkabout is nearing its end. As if we don't change the locks on the doors. Superman has arrived in Cincinnati. That's it. He's got a copy of Rising Stars. Back again for the first time. That'll be nice. Yeah, yeah. Like we love you. We love you so much. What? Like we a broken hymen. We love you so much. We hope you join us. I don't know. We were talking about Ben again. <laughs> oh man, you don't want to know how long ago that was. <laughs> Damn man. Oh, oh boy. Bye. Later. Uh, Bonsoir. The tapestries that really sucked him in.
Totoroo. Make it clap. Shit.